from the creators of Relevant Magazine, this is The Relevant Podcast. Every night when the stars come out. Friday, April 29, 2016, and it's the Relevant Podcast. I'm your host, Cameron String, and this week's show is brought to you by Bomba Socks. Oh, I'm so glad we're talking yeah, about them my again. favorite sock company. You know, socks are the number one most requested item in homeless shelters, and Bombas was founded to help solve that problem. It's an athletic sock company where every for every pair purchased, a pair is donated to those in need. To date, more than 400,000 pairs have been donated. Uh, around the That's country. a significant amount of socks. You know, that is a yeah. ton of socks. I do the math in my head when I hear numbers like that. Like, hey, they're doing well. Good for yeah, them. Yeah, four, like, 400,000 times retail price. of Okay. Yeah, good for them. Congratulations, yeah. uh, And a, homeless population. Uh, they're, uh, the, these are absolutely <laughs> the most comfortable socks I've ever worn. And they are exclusively what I wear on airplanes when I travel because I take my shoes off. Nope. Absolutely. I just flew last week. I I don't have to second everything. Wait, wait, I have a question about that strategy, Cameron. (laughs) When when you're taking your shoes off in the airplane, rocking your Bombas, (laughs) the motivation behind it, is it, here's what I need help clarifying, is it the fact that you're around like a tube full of strangers that you want to show these socks off, or is it just a comfort thing? No, no, the Bombas socks, they have a combo. It's like a little hug for your foot. There's no, there's no toe seam. They stay up. They're, they're all puffy like you're walking on clouds. So it's like, like compression socks. So, yeah, exactly. So that you in a plain situation, and then you got to walk down the aisle. You don't want to have ratty, like, toe-seam. You don't want toe-seam socks. Oh, okay, okay, oh, yeah. time out. Pause, hit the pause button here. You said walk down the aisle. Do you not put the shoes back on no. if you have to use <laughs> No, we're all in this together. <laughs> we're all, what do you do for the bathroom? We're, we're all in this together. Uh, the shoes are off. The shoes are off. You got your There's sweatpants no on. No, I got no, my no, shoes no. off. No, no. Yeah, no, no, we're no, no. all just hanging out like no, we're hanging out. No, no, no. This is a critical point to understand. Yeah. Do you put your shoes on if you have to go to the bathroom? Uh, that would be the only reason to walk down the aisle. It depends on how bad he has to go. That is the <laughs> yeah. filthiest thing. What are you talking about? You gotta about? burn your Bomba socks and get a new order. <laughs> <laughs> like, you, can, you cannot go. He it's does. Socks he actually takes an airplane. He takes bathroom. them off when he deplanes and puts on a fresh pair of bombas. <laughs> right, no, right. no, Eddie, he does I, I not want to ruin the bombas. This will clear everything up, Eddie. When he goes to the bathroom, <laughs> he does not want to ruin the bombas. He takes them off and just goes in there. <laughs> oh, so filthy. <laughs> uh, how else do you dry your hands after you uh, wash them? You, you dry them with your perfectly clean bombas. That's true. Uh, bombas come in a variety of colors and styles, from super bright to simple solid colors. So whatever your style, you could be like kind of business cash like Eddie. You mm-hmm. could be a little jazzy like Chandler. You know, mm. Chandler. <laughs> Yeah. We'll talk about chanting in a second. Um, <laughs> you can go right now to bombas.com slash relevant, all lowercase, B-O-M-B-A-S dot com slash relevant, and use the offer code relevant to get 20% off your first purchase at Bombas. And their social media is on point, too. Yeah. They're, like, awesome. I, they're a great company. And, really- and honestly, no toe seams and really comfortable little foot hugs. Did I really That's what they give some? you. 
Yeah. Oh, you don't have any? I don't have any. Oh, we've got to oh, remedy that. Great like, they're, yeah. That's great. They're like actually really, really. You know, you know how you can remedy it? Bombas.com slash relevant. Oh, you can purchase All lowercase for 20% off. <laughs> you guys have sold me. Like I said, I'm your host, Cameron. Here with me in our Orlando studios. Welcome back, Eddie Big Cat Coffolds. <laughs> Thank goodness, friends. Good we missed you last week. Thanks, man. Over yeah, there I on the ones you. and twos, our interim producer, my brother, Chandler String. <laughs> Hello. On the Skype line from Loverland, Virginia, Jesse Carey. Hello, hello. And all the way from Portland, Oregon, Joy Egrich Reed. Present. I've gotten used to saying the whole, all three. You have. Yeah. Yeah. But, but more used to it than I have. <laughs> <laughs> I'm so inconsistent. I go, went to the doctor yesterday. I said my name was Joy Reed. I go other places, I say my name's Joy Egrich. I go other places, I say Joy Egrich Reed. We don't need to talk about it all again, but I'm just saying <laughs> I'm still not used to it. Why, why did you go to the doctor yesterday? Um, I had a yearly dermatology appointment. Oh, but, you know, I thought you were gonna. I apart. thought you were gonna mention uh, you falling down the stairs. Oh. Yeah, no, I'm falling down. I literally this <laughs> nice week pitch. has been real special. Uh, yeah, fell down the stairs like an old woman. But I had my compute. The reason it hurt so bad is because normally when you fall, you do what? Get you up. Like, don't, don't fall. <laughs> you catch yourself. Get I think up, there's a try, lot of things that again. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you put your hands out to brace yourself. But I had my computer in my hand, and my computer is more valuable than my life. So I like kept the computer up in the air, and then just fell really hard on my tailbone. So how many stairs was it? Well, it was, it was just the bottom two. But there, <laughs> here's the Go thing: on. we have an old house. No, 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 no. no. You might as well like... just say you fell, not fell down oh, the stairs, yeah. because I mean that's that's basically a curb. Right. Like that's tripping on a curb. But, and, and can I guess how you felt? Did Matt leave one of his roller skates right at the bottom of the second stair? No. Can I say that one misplaced roller skate is the uh, is responsible for about 97% of stair falls in America? I've looked at it. Yeah. Most people don't even own two skates. They just leave that one sitting around in inopportune places. No, this is what happened. And I tell you so that if you, you guys ever come to visit, we have a home that's from 1910. And for whatever reason, the second to last step is shorter it's like an inch shorter than the other steps and we have had several like we have to tell everyone that's going down the stairs watch that second to last step it's shorter than the other steps and so but they're wooden and i really it was like one huge fall like i just fell directly with my computer in the air right on my tailbone let out a guttural yell i heard matt was across the house and he he said he thought he was going to discover me with a bone sticking out of my arm <laughs> that's how hard the fall was so even he's though a, it was only the last two steps yeah. it was pretty yeah, dramatic he like runs in he's like what you you fell seven inches <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> like, all that for okay yeah, what's a big deal well, right. anyway glad you're okay Coming up later, we talk to winner of last season of The Voice, Jordan Smith. He oh. joins us. Uh, Jordan is the highest grossing voice artist ever and only the third artist of any kind to have three top 10 songs simultaneously. Oh, that is insane. Also coming up later, uh, Joy was at the premiere this week of the film uh, For the Love Of. Uh, it was a, a film made by the Micah Challenge. It looks at what happened when Sarah and John McMillan, um, William Matthews from Bethel Music, and Song of Water's Stephen Roach went over to the Paris Climate Talks. Uh, oh. Joy sits down with some of the uh, people behind the film, Jason Fleta and uh, Stephen Roach, to discuss why the issue is so important. 
And then uh, also Aaron, our editorial director, uh, Aaron Hambray joins us, and we give you guys a little uh, behind the scenes of the brand new issue of Relevant, which is coming out next week. Mm-hmm. You and McGregor's on the cover. Rob Bell is in the issue. There's a bunch of Uh-oh. stuff, a bunch of stuff going on. Now we're getting into yeah. it. Rob Bell. Yeah. Rob Bell, John Gray, Claire Diaz-Ortiz. There's a bunch of great stuff. So that's yeah. coming up later as well. So we got three segments, mm-hmm. but we want to know, Eddie... You were gone last week. What did we miss? What's going on in your world? Man, that's... This, can this be Eddie's personalizing case <laughs> yeah, you it's, it? It's really yeah. boring. My case life is not as exciting as you... Actually, I don't think you think my life is exciting. I think that's why you asked. <laughs> I'm like, well, I just really have been enjoying the garden out back. We had... Um, I did the, the carrots have germinated, the so... nicely. Do, and yeah, I'm going to have to put up a poll for the bean sprouts, so uh, things are going well, Cam. Thanks. Back to you. <laughs> so you were at an IJM event. We were at... There's a yearly... Uh, IJM event called the Global Prayer Gathering, where we really do get together for two days and get updates from around the planet and pray for everything. Um, and it every year uh, it sounds exhausting. It it is both exhausting and completely fulfilling because it's amazing what happens. People like the field office directors from all over the planet get up there in front of two thousand people and just say, "Hey, can you pray for this, 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 and this?" And some of them are really specific things like. We're looking for a admin. Can you help us pray for that? Because they just come like really needing prayer for things. And this group of 2,000 people prays and are led in prayer because I always, I don't know how to, if somebody said like, just sit there and pray for an hour, I would lose my mind. So they like lead you in prayer and it's just incredible what things start to happen and it really just affirms both the work we get to do and the importance of prayer. So it was a great couple of days and saw a lot of podcast friends there, like a lot of people. Like, you know, because they have the calling card. Big Cat. I'm like, hey, there's only one group of people that calls me that. (laughs) So it was awesome. I met a lot of folks, and it was a really sweet time. It was amazing. That's great, man. Well, we missed you. Thanks. The show was terrible last week. Don't listen to it. I disagree. I'm sure it was lovely. I have not listened to it yet, but I I probably will. Um, But will you just sleep tonight? (laughs) It was awesome. Um, Yeah, so Garden, Global Prayer Gathering... (laughs) <laughs> that was about it. Yeah. yeah, I think it's pretty good. I, uh... I got a good deal uh, on detergent <laughs> yeah. at uh, CVS. The... Lovely, yeah. CVS points finally paid off, in case you guys were wondering. Yeah, <laughs> had a couple of Amazon. Turned out I bought the wrong kind, and it's not returnable. Yeah. But <laughs> yeah. this whole card thing isn't just a scam. There are coupons. So, yeah, I mean, it was eventful. I learned a lot of now, My dishwasher is not compatible with the powder. I should have got the gel, but... <laughs> what did you learn? So, uh, yeah, I mean, that was two days worth of figuring that out. Uh, right. I mean, what I got home yeah. till coming in today. <laughs> right. the dish detergent thing. Yeah. Uh, the whole thing was a mess because do you get the little packets? Do you get the cu- – it's, it's hard to know. We spent a I'll couple days I'll tell you on. this. I'll tell you this. I bought some of the laundry balls for the washer just because they look cool. They look like little candies. And yeah. they <laughs> them. I'll be darned if they don't taste like candy, though. Oh, my God. They look <laughs> – they look like a fun gusher, don't they? <laughs> <laughs> right. I had to get them. Yeah. Uh, well, actually, that's a good segue to to our weekly look back at what happened in culture and entertainment. It's time for. In case you missed it. 
Uh, did you see that uh, this week, Bono and Eugene Peterson released a film about oh, yeah. the Psalms? Oh, yeah. Uh, it's, it's, it's gotten... My entire Facebook feed is dedicated to this, pretty much, because that's all people are <laughs> posting. Uh, the short film is from Fuller Theological Seminary's Fuller Studios, and it's called The Psalms. Uh, the film opens with a clip from 2002 in which Bono sent a video message to Eugene Peterson, thanking him for his um, the message. Uh, Eugene Peterson did the uh, paraphrase of the Bible called The Message. The film takes place at Peterson's remote cabin in Montana, where the two discuss the power of art, music, and the Psalms. You can actually watch the film right now over on Relevant.tv, um, but I uh, wanted to play a little clip here on the show. This is uh, it's fascinating. This is uh, part of Bono and Eugene Peterson with the Psalms. I was 12 years old when I discovered Bono the Psalms. Different. I picked up the Bible and I started reading. And somebody told me that the Psalms were important, so I started with the Psalms, and I was totally confused. Because um, I grew up in a culture where every word in the Bible was the Word of God, literally. Don't mess around with it. It's just, that's the way it is. And I was starting to read uh, that he keeps my tears in this bottle. Uh, Shields, uh, javelins, uh, rock. God is a rock. Come on. And um, after about two or three weeks of this, I just was just confused, and I thought, I'm missing something. And uh, I'd never heard the word metaphor before, but I learned what a metaphor was, not by knowing the name, but by just observing what's going on in the Psalms. So I think the Psalms are important because they, for some people like me at 12 years old, they showed me that imagination was, um, was a way to get inside the truth. I remember the Psalms from the little Church of Ireland church. Um, um, so I'm, as a child going, I remember thinking great words, shame about the tunes. <laughs> <laughs> Except for The Lord is My Shepherd, which was a great tune, and I really like that. This is good. Words and melodies. Ah. They have this rawness, the brutal honesty of whether it's David or not, it doesn't matter. The psalmist is brutally honest mm. about the explosive joy um, that he's feeling and the deep sorrow or confusion. And it's that that makes, that sets the Psalms apart for me. And, and I often think, gosh, well, why isn't church music more like that? The Lord's my shepherd, I'll not want. He makes me down to lie in pastures green. He leadeth me the quiet waters by. Man. How cool is that? Yeah. So, if you want wow. to watch it, Relevant.tv. It's called The Psalms. Eugene Peterson. Eugene. He's like 83 or 80. I mean, oh, he's, he's got to be more than he's that. He's a very old guy. And Tiny, he precious is, little man. He is just one of the great. Have you met him, Joy? 
I haven't met him, but I've seen him interviewed a few times, and he's just, I just, like, want to set him on my lap. He's real tiny and cute mm-hmm. and precious. Actually, what one of the best what openings in, to an interview. I don't interview think I'm we're just, allowed to say that. He's not like, what? he's not like a gremlin. He's, he's not, not a, like you're a, not a ventriloquist. He's like an Ewok. Oh, I have such an affection for little old men. This is the man that wrote the message. I mean, this guy. This guy wrote a long obedience in the same direction. I'll be honest. That seems like a weird compliment. Yeah. He literally has changed a generation of Christian thinking. He doesn't need to sit on your lap and just be coddled by you. Next slice. You obviously have heard me talk about little old men before. But no, truly, you can cut that all out. But one of my favorites. Oh, no. Oh, no. I never make an editorial choice, but I did just then. That all stays. Um, no, my pastor interviewed him once, and he has he has a good sense of humor. And my pastor just said, "Hey, I'm going to do something in the beginning of this, and just I just want you to go with it." And uh, so he he my pastor went into Chris Farley mode, and he just goes, "So uh, uh, remember uh, remember that time you you wrote the Bible?" <laughs> that was pretty and cool. And he just goes, "Yeah." Yeah, I do. <laughs> yeah, that's awesome. Uh, in case you missed it, uh, last week Prince passed away. Did you? Yeah. Miss? No, that wasn't the item. But uh, after that, I mean, ob- obviously, a lot of celebrities have been sharing their Prince recollections and and the impact that he had on culture. What I, I've been bummed by the post Prince media. I like. I get that their stories to report, but I always liked about Prince that we knew almost nothing about him. Yeah. He lived in this He's weird place in Minnesota, and not much. And then, yeah, but it's right on a main road. Like you drive no, right by it. It's this fabulous 1980s. There's these like like right. triangles everywhere. And, but now, like we're but, finding out everything about yeah. him. No, no, which, no. But I disagree, Eddie. I feel like ed- everything that has come out since his death has only perpetuated his isolation and weirdness, and myth. like. I, I haven't heard one story since he died that made me think he was any more normal. If anything, every story that I've read online since his death, whether, you know, uh, you know, concerning or just weird and interesting and funny, because yeah. he seemed to have a degree of self-awareness about him, only perpetuated his mythical quality. Like, yeah. I haven't read anything that makes him still seem more like a normal human. My favorite one that's made the rounds again, it was yeah. my favorite back then, and it's my favorite again, is Charlie Murphy's Chappelle yeah, Show segment about playing yeah, basketball. Me too. So amazing. One of the best stories ever about so Prince. Amazing. Shirts True. versus blouses. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's right. Uh, but following Prince's death, a story that Kevin, filmmaker Kevin Smith said back in 2002 kind of made the rounds again. He was telling students at Kent State University that he was contacted by Prince to make a documentary for him. And at the time, Smith uh, wasn't aware that Prince had become a devout Jehovah's Witness. So here's the story that Kevin Smith was, uh, has been telling about Prince. I said, look, I just want to tell you, I'm a huge fan. And he goes, likewise. I said, really? He goes, oh, yeah, particularly Dogma. And he's like, uh, would you like to do something together? And I said, yeah, what do you want to do? Because I'm thinking like he wants to do a musical. <laughs> But it's, it's not the musical that he wants to do necessarily. He starts talking um, about dogma. And he's just like, I, I really enjoyed dogma. I thought it was incredible. I thought the message was, was great. And, and it went on at great lengths about it. And I'm sitting there listening to him talk about it. And it's starting not to sound like the movie I made. Like a little bit. Like he's got like the character names down and shit. But then there's things that he's talking about that I'm like, well, I didn't, I didn't say that in the movie, did I? You know, like, hold on, I'm going to rewind the movie. <laughs> um, and he starts talking more and more um, about spirituality, religion, faith. 
And it becomes very apparent over the course of a half hour that Prince is way into Jesus. Like, really into Jesus. And if you've listened to his music, you know, he's always had one foot in the corporal, one foot in the spiritual. You know, he sings about darling Nikki, but he also sings about God. But it felt like the pendulum swung far away from Nookie. <laughs> right into the Son of God. And because, I, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm talk, thinking I could talk smack to this dude. But he doesn't want to hear from language. Like, at one point he says to me... Um, I'll put you an example, he says. Because he's sitting there ministering to me at a certain point. I'm like, oh, this dude's preaching. But I'm not going to say anything because it's Prince. <laughs> so he's like, I'll give you an example. He's going, um, you make movies with cursing in them. I said, yeah. <laughs> and he said, uh, can you make a movie without cursing in it? I said, um, yeah, I guess, but why bother? <laughs> And he said, um, do you understand that cursing offends some people, vulgarity offends people? I said, yeah. And he goes, do you mean to offend people? I said, no, no. And he's like, but you still do it anyway. And I said, yeah. He's going, okay, we're going to put you over here. And I was like, where? And I, you know, I can't see him, but I think he went like this. And I really want to know what over here is. But he doesn't explain it. And he's, he gets very cryptic like that. He talks about like He's like, Kevin, if, if a big snake gives birth to a little snake, what is that little snake going to grow up to be? And I was like, a big snake? He's like, right. And that snake gives birth to a little snake. What is that snake going to grow up to be? And I said, big snake. He said, exactly. You've got to know who your father is. And I'm like... <laughs> like, I don't know what that means. So I'm like, I hear you. I hear you. I hear you. That's how, that's how you end a conversation with Prince. Ah, I hear you, man. Yeah, yeah, hear yeah. You. That is the classic ending of a conversation. Like when somebody's talking to you and they're like, no, no, no right, 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 right. They don't know what you just said. <laughs> I, I watched the full, the, the full, it's like over a half hour that this story takes all these weird twists and turns. And you can go find it on YouTube if you look for Kevin Smith talking about Prince. But he, it ends with him making this weird religious documentary for Prince that he is told at the end that will be locked in a vault that neither Kevin Smith nor anyone else will ever see. And there are at least 50 fully produced Prince music videos for songs that have never been released that's, that are also locked in this vault. That's wow. the coolest thing, is that there is apparently a vault in Prince's house full of yeah. thousands and thousands of, of fully finished tracks. Including that's a crazy. Kevin Smith documentary about Jesus. Yeah. And there's no and there's no will, we now know. Right. So, yeah. oh, really? I mean, it's kind of like, hey, I think wow. you can just kind of wander around and grab stuff. Yeah, it's a free-for-all. <laughs> yeah. Head on up to Minneapolis. Grab yourself he, a... He, I can tell you where the house is. It's right yeah. there on the main road. Yeah, it's a it's big white. Deal. You can see it. Do you know that apparently every time he went in the house, he was in the house, there's like a pyramid on top of the house that turned purple when he was there? When And he, when he wasn't there, it wasn't purple? Yeah, and actually I did know that because I was driving down that main road and somebody goes, Prince is home. and Because you can glance <laughs> wow. over and see if he was home or not. Right. Wow. Yeah. It was like known. It's like he's... Yeah. I got to get one of those it, on my house. And he's just, yeah. and it's like, he just lives he, in like a normal suburban part of Minneapolis. It's not yeah. like, you know, Bel Air or anything or like that. There's an island in it's, the middle no, of a beautiful No, it's just lake. like, like a neighborhood. Like, like he would enough, be down at the like Kroger. that his neighbors would bring cookies over kind of thing? 
just a normal neighborhood. It's just yeah. he yeah. apparently rode his bike to Walgreens pretty frequently. Yeah, you're like, what? Well, why, yeah, I mean, why that, would any of that happen? There was he's, gotta, he's gotta use his points. <laughs> that's right well, kevin smith said that when he first like met him in person after these weird because he goes into details about how he's you know the, this thing of like his assistants would call him every five minutes and be like prince is calling in 15 minutes and then you get prince is calling you in 12 minutes like prince has like these assistants who were tough but he said the first time i met prince it was like in a casual setting but he's decked out and in the heels and like right. he he asked prince if he owned sneakers and evidently like he would like everyone in the room turned to him. It's like, you never asked Prince about his sneakers. <laughs> like that is a no, no, like, like never mentioned sneakers to Prince. Obviously. Yeah. I mean, we all know that. Yeah. yeah I mean, I mean it, it seems known that. like Kevin never. Smith would have known that had he made the, mm-hmm. you know, since he made the trip out there. Wait, Jesse, did you say that, that the stuff in the vault can never be released? Like he stated that, or there's just, well, a- well it's never been released up to this point and no one knows what purpose it serves. It's kind of like the Disney vault. Right. Kevin Smith, he, he, he joked that he thinks that if there, the reason that it's all locked away is in the vault is that, uh, if the world ends and you know, everything, you know, the vault is one of the only things that remains that at least the survivors will have entertainment (laughs) (laughs) in the form of Prince videos. Man, that's going to be crazy. In case you missed it, uh, this week on Instagram, a new kind of Christian parody account, uh, emerged called Barbie Savior. Oh, I love it. It kind of, it kind of. It came up uh, like the Socality Barbie account yeah. back in the day, but this one is uh, specifically about kind of social justice and missions. Oh. So it's, it documents the travels of a Barbie doll doing missions work, of course, with biting oh, satire. Yeah. Oh, it, wow. it launched seven weeks ago. It's attracted more than 70,000 followers. I'm sure that number is higher by the time you hear this. Yeah. And uh, this week, CNN, The Guardian, Mashable, HuffPo, and other outlets all covered it. The buyer reads, in part, not qualified, called, yeah. 20 years young, it's not about me. But it kind of is. Yeah. Um, there's pictures of the Barbie <laughs> drinking coffee. Wow. Um, you know, like uh, one of her, one, there's one uh, of her donating a peep in an African village. And it reads, as millions celebrate Easter all around the world today, it dawned on me that there are children in this world who have never seen, much less tasted, the sweet, delicious del- delicacy of a peep. The very thought made me tear up. My heart was broken. I knew I had to do something. <laughs> this year, I've decided to design a Donate Your Peeps campaign. Peep for peep. Hashtag where my peeps at. And then it keeps it going. Instagram uh, slash Barbie Savior. I love it. Yeah. I it's love good. good satire. I love that there's there's always, because this is my favorite thing when people do this on Instagram, like when they when they give the caveats of like, I don't usually post selfies or I don't, and, and they have one where she's like, a sweet friend caught this candid of me and I realized that no matter how much of a mess I look, my true beauty lies within. And it's like totally glam. Just beautiful. Yeah. <laughs> and, I, and I like that she said sweet friend. That's like such a thing yeah. to say. A sweet friend. <laughs> sweet. Oh, I love good satire. Uh, I thought it was great. <laughs> I'm sure people... It definitely is biting because I feel like there are a lot of well-meaning but possibly misguided people that do good work ultimately. But I don't feel like it's like harmful or mean-spirited, but it certainly has teeth. Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, and well, and hopefully it'll bring an awareness to the to what people are actually doing, whether it's, the it's unintentional aspect or not. Of it. Right. Yeah. Hey, uh, Jesse, what happened on the site this week? Well, as you guys know, we run a lot of different kinds of content on the website. And a lot of times here on the podcast, we like to highlight some of the God or life stuff. But I want to do a story that uh, a lot of, I encourage people to check out that will really keep you informed about a current issue that's sort of flown under the radar of the mainstream news, but it's huge social justice implication. It's called France's radical new prostitution law is a big deal. 
And it basically looks how France is the latest nation uh, of several, particularly in Europe, that have gone to what they call a Nordic model of enforcing prostitution laws. And basically what it does is it, it is a challenge to lawmakers to really crack down on people uh, that are, are, are purchasing uh, sex and the services of sex workers, as well as uh, uh, people that run brothels, instead of just criminalizing the women. Uh, instead, it looks to give them a way out of a lifestyle of prostitution, and it looks at some of the human trafficking uh, implications and how a lot of these women are trapped in it, but it's a whole new mindset for law enforcement to not go after the women, but to go after uh, the people that are are you know paying for uh, sex. It's a super interesting story, and it looks at why this new model of enforcing these laws could really impact the lives of women around the world. I love it because inherent, <clears throat> and you mentioned it, inherent in that change in thinking is the idea that this is not always the choice of the woman. Like, yeah, so exactly. th this is not, mm -hmm. it's not like she's like, oh, I need to make money. So this is what I'll do. There's sometimes there's extenuating circumstance and she is in a terrible situation. And so to mm -hmm. think of this differently, I think is really uh, honoring for, it, for them. Yeah. It, and part of, and to your point, Eddie, because a lot of times if, if the woman faces the legal penalties, it's only going to make those problems in her life worse. Mm -hmm. It's only going to mm -hmm. limit employment opportunities and, and things like that down the road. Mm -hmm. And so this new model is really a women focused and, uh, initiative. And one of the things that's interesting about the story is our, our writer actually looked at some of the biblical implications and Jesus's own teaching on on prostitution and how he dealt with a prostitute uh, that was, you know, caught in the act. So it's an interesting Jesse, story. Jesse, what are some of the ways out? You said that they're giving women ways out instead of prosecuting them. Yeah. So they're looking at like rehabilitation initiatives, uh, training uh, uh, different ways that they can provide exit services to ensure their safety and, and things like that. And if you if you want to find out more, you can read the article at realmags.com, Joy. Yeah, that's you right. Can, oh, you well, thank just... you. I will, I will do that. All <laughs> right, that'll do it for... In case you missed it. It's time for entertainment releases. Music coming out next Friday, uh, May 6th. Lauren Daigle <laughs> is coming out with how can it be? It's not Lauren Dangle. It's Daigle. We yeah. played her on the show here. She's been in the magazine. We're big fans. Oh, yeah. Yeah. She, and then I would just like to say, we got excited about her. Next thing we know, she's winning all the awards for Best New Christian Artist and stuff. So Not saying... saying. Not saying Kingmaker. That's all we're saying. That's all we're saying. That we, all we're saying... <laughs> we're saying we're, you're welcome, Lauren. Yeah. <laughs> we're, 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 you're welcome for you making awesome music. Yeah. Um, <laughs> and us acknowledging it. Uh, yeah, us humbly acknowledging it. How can it be? White, Relevant. White Lung is coming out with Paradise. They, they're non-smokers. <laughs> the white monks. Just the, your ability to render these jokes in real time is astonishing. It is. It you is know, impressive. like I, I mean, listen. There's just like you've got a real. No, they their album's paradise because it's full of non-smokers. Everybody yeah. there's got white lungs. It's just clean air. Clean, air. clean mountain air. Yeah, paradise. Clean mountain air. Uh, Little scream <laughs> is coming out with cult following. Little scream. That's what Joy did when she fell down her seven-inch stair. <laughs> 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 it was a very hard step. Right. 
you fell down the height of a like a tall guy. Like if you were a tall guy, that would be just a normal falling down. All right, all of you, if it's not that big a deal, I want you to hold your computer above your head today and just drop full body Why? weight on, this, on the edge of a step. Why would I do that? You know what I mean? Yeah. Right? It's not that big of a deal, Eddie. It's not that painful. It's only seven inches. All right, right, right. Well, wait, but we're, we're just questioning if it's as bone shattering as you and your husband thought it could be. Right, because I have a feeling you might be the type that's just like you're laying on the sofa and you like you you know you kind of like shift the wrong way and like the pillows kind of hurt in your lumbar and you just let out a blood curdling scream. <laughs> okay, I will say, I will say, I cracked my tailbone uh, previously on a rogue uh, river rafting trip, yeah. so I know that I didn't crack yeah, my course. tailbone. I know what that feels like, but this was painful, and I did milk it for all it was worth uh, yeah. the day that I fell and watched uh, Gilmore yeah. Girls all day. Oh, <laughs> Gilmore Girls. Also coming out, Sarah Tones with Get Gone. There you go. That's your music coming out. Uh, movie releases coming out also Friday, May 6th. Captain America Civil War is coming out. Is that, we think it's going to be good? I've heard good things, right? Spider-Man's in it. But hold on. Spider-Man's in it? Yeah, so the reason why the latest Marvel, the latest addition to the Marvel Cinematic Universe, as it's known, is is significant is because not only does it pit the Avengers team against each other, but it's the first film that Marvel Studios got the rights back from Sony to get Spider-Man. That's why Spider-Man movies have been their own standalone thing is because Sony has owned a lot of the rights to them. But now Disney and uh, Marvel have reacquired the rights. And so Spider-Man is actually in the new Avengers movie, uh, which is, like I said, pretty notable. Uh, also coming out, a bigger splash. Uh, Ralph Fiennes, Dakota Johnson, Tilda Swinton. What? I've never heard of this. A bigger splash. Uh, the vacation of a famous rock star and a filmmaker is disrupted by the unexpected visit of an old friend and his daughter. And also the documentary Pele, Birth of a Legend. It's... Um, it's uh, the story of greatest footballer who ever lived and is told by Michael and Jeff Zimbalas, veterans of ESPN's 30 for 30 serial. Oh. Uh, so this debuted at Tribeca last week. And uh, two of Pele's kids go to my church. Oh, that's yeah. cool. Yeah, I'm friends with them. Really? Mm-hmm. I, that's I random. Is that why they're Brazilian? Yeah, they're Brazilian. I mean, like, he, I mean, but do they live? How do they live here? They, well, their mom and they live in Orlando. Oh, that's mm-hmm. odd. I bet Pele's going to light the... Uh, but they had grown up in Brazil and everything. They live here in Orlando. I now. bet he's going to light the torch at the Olympics. That's awesome. Oh, uh, sure, Because sure, sure. he's like, who is more famous from Brazil? Yeah. Right? Who do we know from yeah. Brazil that's a famous athlete? Yeah, you're right. Uh, that's it. Yeah. yeah, I can't hey, think you of guys. I feel like I feel like you we're going to get some embarrassing feedback. They're like, uh, <laughs> this person. You're like, oh. Every week, it's, a, it's like ignorance about a, a different country. <laughs> Last week, it was We Canada. need a jingle for that, too. Yeah. <laughs> we don't know what we're talking about. Yeah. Your country. Yeah. Yeah. Hey, do you guys want to know what my alarm was this morning? Yeah, I do. I was about to ask. <laughs> I know. <laughs> yeah. I'm excited for the Olympics. Me too. Uh, Olympics are my favorite I don't want to get into the Olympic uh, thing right now lo- because I have very strong opinions about it. Oh, come oh, on. No, we fight about the Olympics every two years. Can we just save it for when it gets closer? Yeah, yeah let's and I, do because we I actually, have a lot of points. I could do a whole, po- I could do a whole anti- <laughs> actually, of the, the Olympics is lame podcast if you want to. Oh, I know. Let's do a segment in mid-July, point-counterpoint, 
Uh, Lee yes. and Jesse take on the Olympics. Done. Yeah. We'll get yes. Jeremiah to do a jingle. Sorry, I don't think <laughs> I didn't seem like you know. You totally know how to do jingles. Yeah, but I, I mean, like, hold, on, hold on, but like we want this. Like, hold on, no, hold on. I, to my brother's credit, yeah. yeah, he has a jingle in the can for a segment for next week's show. That's right. Here it is. Taking the directness yeah. back, like it's just <laughs> yeah. not a metaphor in it. So yeah, basically, I uh, I just listened to what Jeremiah was doing, and uh, you did do a very good job. I did it better. No, you did a very good clubs. job. I'll let you do. I'll let you do the point counterpoint Olympic uh, segment <laughs> thing. Maybe we'll have a jingle off. Get uh, what's his name, the the bald one, and then also Jeremiah, and then and then have a contest. See who wins the best jingle. Point counterpoint. I'm down. Jingles. I never. Yeah. <laughs> right. Dude, point counterpoint. That's gonna be our new like right. tent pole did, did segment. Chad Jesse, do, uh, did he do jingles? Yeah, he did. They started. Like I said, my goal seemed a couple of disgraced Olympic athletes on my side. So jingles have been around since the Flynn Atkins yeah, I, era I, I in like Flynn 2006, uh, probably. He, the, the, this the, is uh, the very first one. Editorial yeah, I remember. Oh, yeah. That's a Flynn. That's yeah, a Flynn I, I classic. That. Yeah. 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 So I happen to have a soundboard in front of me, by the way. Yeah, it wasn't. Uh, yeah, because I was like, "You seem awfully prepared for a segment we just thought of." And then <laughs> uh, talking about old jingles. And then uh, you know, like you know, Jeremiah took it up to a level with things like. Oh, that's a great one. I mean, that is just a good song. All day. He, he cranks it to 11 with the auto tune, that's for sure. <laughs> he certainly does. That's, that's, actually, that's actually what was playing in my head when I was running down the stairs. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, well, that'll do it for your entertainment releases in case you missed it and Eddie's uh, recap about his gardening and CVS adventures. Yeah. Stay tuned up next Slices. Koi Child, the song is Touch Em. I wouldn't touch koi child. a Koi Child. Does that mean wow. like shy or a fish? No, I uh, the, like the fish koi, like the baby snake comes from the big snake. <laughs> what, the, the koi child comes from the, the, big from? the big koi. The big koi. We all come from somewhere. No, no, you got to know your dad. Yeah. Know who your father uh, is. Touch Em is the song. At the beginning of the podcast, you heard... Touch Em? Touch Em. Yeah. All right. <laughs> At the beginning of the podcast, you heard <laughs> Fits in the Tantrums with oh. Hand Clap. I like Fits in the Tantrums. One of my favorite unexpected musical experiences was uh, a Sunday afternoon a couple years ago. I'm on a bike ride with Cohen. We go down to the record shop in yeah. our neighborhood, and there's some people milling around out front. There's like loud music being played inside, and we go inside, and Fits in the Tantrums was doing kind of a spontaneous show cool. in the record shop. That's very and cool. Cohen was like two or three. And just enamored and loved it. Yeah. We bought their album oh, and they cool. autographed it for the oh, for, for Cohen. Cool. 
So we have it framed in his room That's and awesome. stuff. He loves fits in the tantrums. Oh, it's really cool. That. There you go. All right, it's time for slices. What do you have, Jesse? All right, well, I, I may make this one a two for I'll keep it relatively quick, but both of these are too interesting not to mention, and they're related. Uh, so how many of you guys have ever really wanted to see Noah's Ark, like the real Noah's Ark, like what it would have looked like? We've all been curious, I'm sure. Yes. I went yeah. to the Creation Museum. They have a cutout. I know what yeah, it looks like. They, they have a cutout, and they're even building one on land, yeah. which is cool, which you can tour. But you know what's not as cool? Mm. One that is actually just floated in from the Netherlands. Boom. What? There what? is a Dutch carpenter named Johan Hubers, it's which kind of sounds I think it's like Johan. I think it's Johan. Yeah, I don't think that's the name. Johan, but it's pronounced Noah. Noah. Uh, well, well, I think it might be, well, they call it Jonah's Ark, so uh, maybe it's Johan's Ark. I don't know. That's his nickname. Whatever. He's a Dutch carpenter who thought it'd be really cool to build a an exact replica of Noah's Ark that was that could that wasn't just like I said like a museum. Which what they're doing in Kentucky, I guess that's cool. You know, I guess you can get the perspective, but you're not going to really get it until you realize that you to see it all the coming over the horizon to the pier. Right? This is a, a gigantic arc. Uh, it's f- to the dimensions that, uh, you know, he's interpreted that the Bible talks about, uh, which is 95 feet wide, 410 feet long, Whoa. 75 feet tall. 75 wow. feet tall for a boat made of wood. Okay. I've been on a cruise before. Yeah. I'm not impressed by a 75 foot tall boat. Was it wood? Yeah, yeah, but it wasn't made out of wood. Uh, yeah. there was there was there was wood finishes in it. Who built the deck? There's a sun deck. There's a deck. <laughs> yeah. The the, uh, the other thing it will hold more than 5,000 people at one time. I don't know why that's funny to me. It just sounds like a bad idea because I looked at the pictures of this. <laughs> I examined it from every angle. Maybe we can put a picture up at the uh podcast episode space. But just picture it like you what you had everyone knows what Noah's ark looks like. Yeah. Let's be honest with ourselves here. It does not look that seaworthy. Yeah. Like it's the the front isn't even yeah. pointy. It's yeah. like a, it looks like a gigantic like hot dog. Yeah. Almost. I saw Bruce Almighty. I saw I saw the Rock Monsters. Yeah, I, it's just a big it's a big rectangle. Yeah, exactly. With slightly rounded edges. Yeah, yeah. Made of wood. I can't I can't emphasize that enough. It's made of wood. Who pays for that? I mean, what in the world? Well, he's taken a lot of donations, and evidently he's raised a lot of money because crippling crippling uh, debt. Yeah, <laughs> his plan is to bring it to from the Netherlands. He's going to bring it to Brazil next year, oh. and then he's going to bring it up to the United States, up the East Coast, and give tours of this. And inside are like displays about the Old Testament and stuff. I have made oh. a boat for you. <laughs> <laughs> Here is my boat. I have two monkeys. I have all of it. Here is my boat. <laughs> Pele, Pele, join my boat. Join my boat, Pele. <laughs> Eddie, I watched a clip of this gentleman, uh, Johan or, or Jonah or whatever his name Am is. Am I pretty close? Uh, th- this Dutch gentleman speaking about the Ark, and your accent is not that far off. <laughs> <laughs> speaking of someone who went for uh, uh, something absurd in the ocean, an ultra marathoner <laughs> oh, yeah. recently tried to inspire humanity. Oh, yeah, this... His name was Reza Buccelli. Okay, he is an ultra marathon runner, and he claims to have run the the border of the United States. He's he's made all these claims. So so considering he's able land. to do that, it shouldn't be that surprising that he claimed to want to be able to run from the Florida coast right. <laughs> to been, Bermuda. Been <laughs> Wait, what? Which it, over the over the surface of the ocean on what he calls a hydropod. It's basically a giant inflatable hamster wheel. <laughs> 
Oh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> His plan was to run in this floatable hamster wheel. Uh, it has like a whole, it's sort of like a donut kind of thing yeah. that he can, he's running in the middle of. That he's going to run from Florida to Bermuda to inspire humanity. And, and he, don't worry, how's he going to eat and drink? He's got it all figured out. He's going to catch rain and eat fish. It's only going to take him five months. Wow. So he attempted this one time before. Uh, when he was spotted by boaters off the coast of Miami, randomly flagging people down and asking to, uh, for directions to Bermuda. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> <laughs> no I, I don't way. think navigational items are were part of his plans. This time, so that was two years ago. The Coast Guard has said, listen, to, to pluck you out of the ocean last time, to bring a helicopter out there and, and get you in your hydropod, cost taxpayers $140,000. Wow. Do not try this again. If you are going to try it again, go to international waters and make sure there is a boat that trails you the whole way. Well, uh, he snuck off the other day. (laughs) (laughs) He was tweeting that he was going to do it again. So he takes the Twitter. And he, he says, listen, my goal is to inspire humanity. I can't let safety pull me. And, and he claimed, don't worry, I'm going to have the boat. I'm going to have the boat. Don't worry, Coast Guard. Wink, wink. I got your details. <laughs> <laughs> he didn't want to give a date to his fans yeah. that they could come watch his glorious right. exit from the beach. Though, Because he didn't want to be – he wanted to be outside the detection of authorities. Though I would have loved to have been on the beach that day and see him just running down the beach with a hydropod and just taking off into the water. <laughs> Uh, 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 authorities were alert, alerted, and uh, within about five hours, uh, they had to pluck him once again. <laughs> Plus, you, you got to feel like they were alerted ten minutes, and they're like, "All right, let's finish." Let our them rounds. tire him out. It's like, it's like so it's like your kid with the tantrum. Just yeah. let them tire let themselves tire out. We're gonna get a pizza. He's only going about a foot every half hour, and so they're just sitting there eating an ice cream cone on the dock, watching him make it twenty feet out, and they're like, "All right, all right, go get him." Finish your five hours. Me. And my favorite part is how how pissed the coast guard was like not only not only did they have to go rescue him they took to twitter like in the most passive aggressive oh apparent way possible oh. so this is what they tweeted okay <laughs> hashtag breaking news oh, yeah, no. yeah. <laughs> you got the break and, and again i don't think they were trying to be passive aggressive i think they, they were just really ticked off Hashtag breaking news. Adventures runners, adventure runners voyage ends after he violated a Coast Guard order not to embark on his seagoing journey. And that's uh, from like uh, 2000. Oh, this is another one. Breaking news. Buccelli's 2014 attempt uh, placed enormous financial burden on taxpayers for his rescue. <laughs> yeah. He was recently ordered not to depart. So the breaking news is he tried this two years ago and it really ticked us off then. Yeah. Don't you yeah. feel like the Coast Guard has a little bit of like a, we, we own a Ford Taurus. Come on. <laughs> We're the Coast Guard. We can arrest you. Come on. Come on. Yeah, no, but, no, that was my question. Like, what kind of authority does the Coast Guard, like, that no one can arrest him? Right. Like, they can. They're the Coast Guard. I but I feel I like they're a little just mad about it. Like, yeah, I don't know. I don't know if there's a specific law that said, I don't, I don't know if it, there's a law in the books that says if I want to run on a hydropod to Bermuda. Yeah. Like, if I can't do it. But like, can the Coast Guard under, like, constitutionally, can they tell yeah. me not to? Or is it my American right to give it, the, to give it my only try, even though they have told me? 
it's going to get 120 degrees in the pod, and there's no way to catch fish out there on that thing. Yeah, Jesse, I think you have your next Outlaw Hero segment. I, you read my mind. <laughs> Jesse, <laughs> got to get that guy. I'm going to assist this, and I don't know if you, I mean, a lot of people know this. I live in Virginia Beach. I live right off the coast. So if he wants to try this again. <laughs> you got a spot for him. I got a spot for him. No one's going to detect him. I can drive him out to a real place and just set him off, and we'll see. Training in, training in the pool. This. I'll tell this. I ain't reporting him. I ain't no snitch. Call me. I'll keep my phone on in five months when you get to Bermuda. I'll look for your call. Oh, man. All right. Well, people have been asking where the Outlaw Hero segment went, and we yeah. were just – here's the thing. It's about quality over quantity. Well, We're that, not going to dilute it no. for a frequency situation. We're going to wait until the moment hits us. No. Moments come. Yeah, the segment finds us. Yeah. And yeah. it sure as heck not yeah. making it, its way it, to it, international it waters. This is like the it's, bat signal. Yeah. Like, and you know what brought me? It, it was the Noah's Ark story that drew me in. I knew we'd get him you know, That was just a smoke screen. Uh, speaking of which, Chandler, do we have the clip? Yeah. And tell, us, tell me how close Eddie got to this accent. Today, the Ark, 125 meter long, 29 meter wide. Oh. Seven stories high. And the weight, 3,000 ton. Unbelievable. And it has been one in a lifetime. Experience for more than one million people already. The vision now is to bring the Ark to Brazil this summer to allow hundreds of thousands to experience the whole. Let me say this real quick. I want to hear, I think I've seen a partnership opportunity for racing. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. the Coast Guard has said, look, here's the deal. If you want to try to see it, you got to have a boat and trail you. <laughs> in case things he, this dude is already going to attract a lot. This Dutch guy is already going to attract a lot of people to the Ark. You know what would really get me? Because I'd be kind of on the fence and be like, yeah, I kind of want to see that Ark floating in. You know, definitely get me on the fence if there's a guy in a hydropod sprinting out in front of it. Hey, yeah, maybe that's the boat that he uh, attaches himself maybe to. Maybe they're yeah. bringing the torch in. It's like the dove. Yeah. He's the dove out in front. <laughs> He is the dove. in the hydropod. Find my <laughs> land for it, Fraser. This arc is super, super slow. It's made of wood. Yeah. It's made of wood. Yeah. A lot of boats over the years have been made with, of wood, FYI. Just, yeah. you but know. I feel like this really boat is one, going on, like, you know, very old technology, and having a guy sprint in a super high hydropod may be just as fast. You're calling, you're calling God's plans old technology. Same well, yesterday, today, saying, and forever. I, desti- I, think, I, think, I think when God designed it, I think the plan was just to keep it afloat for 40 days and 40 nights. I don't think he was setting it off to Brazil. I yeah, could I don't be- think it was like <laughs> supposed to be like a huge passenger vessel. I mean, I think God was thinking like, all right, uh, we fit no two cars. elephants in this. Well, there's a lot of passengers. And of course, yeah, you know, all the passengers. Is, my point is, the, the original design babies. was a gigantic life vessel. It was just, it wasn't to go on a voyage. That's true. Know? Just like Wait, supposed so to float up and then float down. Yeah, you're right. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know how it propels itself. Yeah, maybe, well, maybe maybe there's a hundred razors running over there. Probably, probably there's a guy in a hamster wheel pulling it. Yeah. yeah exactly. <laughs> Let me say, I'll say this to Cameron. It takes a while for it to get going, but once it's moving, yeah, it's, inertia. I yeah. learned about inertia in yeah. science nice class. Once it's clip. yeah, once it's going to the bottom of the ocean, it's almost <laughs> not just uh, incredibly fast. <laughs> Go get help. The ark is sinking. I saw Titanic. Yeah, yeah. Uh, it creates everybody, that sucking thing. Everybody goes, grab the olive branch. <laughs> He's talking about the hydropod. <laughs> He named it the olive branch. <laughs> Everybody grab it. 55,000 people cannot die. Where is Pele? Grab Pele. <laughs> All right. Uh, what do you have, Eddie? Uh, when I'm gone for a week, I feel as though it is my duty to kind of bring back a gift. And um, I brought back today a gift for Jesse. 
Hershey's marketing VP said, quote, we aren't going out there saying it's a meat bar. We're saying it's a crave. That's right. Hershey's chocolate is now making chocolate bars with meat in them. Wow. They, Isn't that called jerky? Well, they recently bought a beef jerky company. And they thought they were just, it was going to live under the family of Hershey's products. But now they're integrating the two. So you'll be able to buy a Hershey's chocolate bar, but it also has bits of bacon and meat in it. It sounds totally disgusting, but I thought Jesse would be super excited about that. I was going to say, for that. a point, point counterpoint that's anti-vegetable, I think I just have a leg up now. <laughs> oh, no, I think it's... A I've never heard of a vegetable chocolate bar. No, I think it's a terrible thing. And they say it's going to be all natural, has no preservatives, and features additional ingredients like... Wait, isn't jerky all preservatives? Isn't it just like just all salty out. meat? Yeah, yeah it's preservative. Meat. Well, there's somehow they've reinvented beef jerky, and now there's no preservatives. But they're saying that these bars are going to have like grains and fruit and things and meat in them. That's trail mix. Yeah, trail mix it's, plus meat. Yeah, yeah. So, so it's savory and sweet. It's savory and sweet. So I could, I could get it. I like that. But it is meat still. So, on you're, the chocolate you're, bar. so what you're saying, Eddie, is there's a trend of there's infusing meat into various things. That oh were yes. Oh, I was in Nashville a couple of weeks ago, and everything there is like a bacon teeny and stuff like that. You're like, all right, <laughs> let's just put bacon in everything. Right? It's the same in Portland. Just saying, there's meat in everything. That's that's mostly the slice. <laughs> 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 I'm just watching it all dissolve in front of me. And uh, this week's vegan and beat. That, and all that's left is flecks of meat. Um, so I wanted to just bring that to everyone's attention. Of course, we're going to have to do a sampling here when the bars come out. Uh, but uh, for all of you, I just I feel like I owe it to carnivores yeah. on the show. I, I talk Appreciate enough that. about gardening and quinoa and, you know. Quinona. Quinona also. <laughs> uh, zucchini. Can I just say too, for this guy in the hydro pot, he's getting into oh, yeah. it. It's true. You know, I mean, it's a great blood sugar is going to get low, but he's also going to need some. Yeah, he's also yeah, need yeah. some animal protein, and and, and I don't. I think sea turtle meat and whatever he's catching out there is going to get old fast. Sea turtle meat. Bring a pack full of these things. I think we're all on the same page with this, Eddie. I think I think you need to to bone up on the release date of this because I'm going to need to inform him when I do. You need to float a crate out to him. You know, like. <laughs> we just <laughs> fill the ark with them and just throw That's them right. over. Got <laughs> some meat bars coming over. Beef jerky chocolate bars. Though. All right, that was my slice. What do you have, Joy? <laughs> okay, on that, um, my question to start my. I actually have two slices today. I'll be quick. But um, so, what is the best restaurant you guys have been to? Uh, Eleven Madison Park in New York. It's the fourth best restaurant in the world, best in the U.S. Uh, I get I get pretty hyped for Lobster Fest uh, every year. We're at the Red Lobster, it's a good deal. Uh, right after Toyota, box, <laughs> I go up there and go up. I'm blanking on the name, but there's a Tom Douglas restaurant in Seattle. He's like a big time chef there. It was amazing. All right. Well, um, did you guys follow the marathon no. at all? No, it's no. too long. Oh, okay. Boring. Well, no, I don't. Ethiopian. I don't watch and running like the Olympics. Go ahead. Anyways, near there, um, in Harvard, Massachusetts, a small little town, 6,000 residents, they do their, their annual Ducky Wucky River Race. And it sounds like they're connected to McBoatface. Um, basically, what they do is through the Rotary Club, they dump thousands of little ru rubber duckies into this river, and everyone has purchased a number, which is on the bottom of the rubber duckies. And then whichever rubber ducky crosses the finish line first that person and another person get an all-expense-paid trip anywhere in the world to go out to dinner. Huh. I wonder where I'd go. Anywhere in the world. 
anywhere. Well, you gotta anywhere go to Paris. You gotta go to Paris. I think I go to Japan. Get yeah. the best sushi oh, on the planet. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. That yeah, that's good. People have done Paris, Tokyo, Dublin, Australia, Indonesia, South Africa. Dublin. Uh, but what they what do you did, want? Potatoes? Yeah, seriously. Yeah, Dublin does seem weird to me. I feel like they used it more if they wanted to go on the trip. They didn't care about the food. They're like, yeah, oh, just something with vinegar on it. I don't care. Yeah, just give me some yeah. ketchupy fries and a you know and a hamburger. <laughs> I don't care where we go. But but here here's the amendment that they had to make. Uh, they now will not pay for any alcohol at that dinner because apparently one winner one year got a little out of hand. So I'm gonna I'm gonna uh, bill that uh, endangered goose uh, that I ate uh, along with her her eggs to the, yeah. the contest winners. Uh, but that white wine, how uh, was that? The house is what three dollars. <laughs> ship that my way. I got that. I got. I that. just like a really. I'd like a really good sub on the uh, on the sun deck of that of that uh, Noah's Ark, <laughs> and just have them figure out how to get me there. Like, all right, it's two of every kind of meat. Welcome to the Ark. Yeah, you can have any meat you want there because you can choose. Elephant. It's like a lobster tank. You just giraffe. like that one. That I want one. that one. I want to eat zebra meat. Give you it want to the man me. or the, do you want the male or the female? You have two choices. Like that I don't care one. which one moved less. That's the one I want. Yeah. And they're like, sorry, we can't cook it. You're gonna have to eat it raw though, because we can, this is an all wood boat. We cannot start a fire. We learned the hard way that firing up the brick oven downstairs is a bad idea. Bad, bad idea. Yeah. Okay, so here quickly, my second uh, on theme. So you guys know my last name used to be Eggrich. I love fried eggs. My favorite food cart in Portland is called fried egg i'm in love and elizabeth from twitter sent me this article and it was just amazing so this egg farmer in yorkshire um discovered he he tried different things to relax his hens apparently if the chickens can relax they produce more eggs and he's tried several different Mm. things and then he started playing music and he played classical music he played jazz music he even played justin bieber tunes to them but the one musician that he I got it. I know it. Really worked. Got to be Kenny G. No, 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 no. John Tesh. Oh yeah. Oh no, he gets a little too rompy. Oh, he does get a little rompy. Yeah. Kenny G. No. Tour de France CD. Yo Yo Ma. Oh Yo Yo Ma. That was good. Oh Prince. Hold on, hold on, hold on. Um, I'm looking for a joke here that has something to do with an egg or a hen, an artist. It would be really helpful if somebody could come up with it pretty quickly. Um, <laughs> Eggy Azalea? Oh, Eggy Azalea. Eggy Azalea. Oh, oh, how about this one? Dwight Yoakam. Yoakam. Henson. No. <laughs> <laughs> okay. These are really good. I really, I really like these. No, Cracker. I think you can. <laughs> what? The 90s band. Cracked like an egg. Oh. <laughs> okay. I think you can figure out who it is. But, but on the farm, they refer to him lovingly as Skillet. Ed it was Skillet. They played Skillet. Skillet. Oh, 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 oh. That's the one. That's Oh my gosh! <laughs> it's like the newest boy song, Breakfast in L. <laughs> oh, that's good. That's good. Um, yeah, no, Ed Sheeran has shown uh, Ed Sheeran. Oh, Ed oh, Sheeran! Ed good Sheeran. 
friend. <laughs> oh yeah, I said it. You guys didn't hear me at all because you were all talking. Over well, we had we had jokes to make, Joy. <laughs> it was perfect. Joy. Come on. I I definitely thought you guys all heard me because I was like, you'll know it by what they call him as Egg Sheer, and then he's like Skillet. <laughs> You're like, oh, Jesse's so funny. He's the best. I love it when Jesse talks. Turn his mic up louder in my ears. Turn Joy down. <laughs> Jesse is the best. He comes up with the best jokes. Skillet. <laughs> oh Egg yeah, Sheeran. So, yeah, yeah, that's it. So, and I want to give a shout out to Elizabeth from twitter who gave me that she also was super helpful because she lives on the ground in grand rapids minnesota and she helped me this week uh by going to all the locations for um the the wizard of oz shoes that were stolen and sending me pictures on twitter she was like my on the feet uh recon person it was amazing so wow so we're gonna have the full story like three weeks from now right it's a month-long investigation let's just say it's developing quite nicely yeah it's taken it's taken a twist None of us expected. That is true. Yeah. I would it say really this. Has. Yeah. It really has. All right. Well, that this is great. This is good stuff. All right. That'll do it for Slices. Stay tuned. Up next, Jordan Smith. Don't you run when you hear the sirens coming. When you hear the sirens coming, you better not run because the sirens not coming for you. What have you done? You went to school that day. Was a bit late, but it was a Monday. Kept after class for Listening to Yorga Smith. The song is Blue Lights. Uh, Incredible song. It's uh, J O R J A, I think, related to um, the Ark Builder. Oh, certainly. Yeah. (laughs) Oh, yeah. This week's uh, feature interview is brought to you by 1800flowers.com. Guys, Mother's Day is upon us. No, it's and it's it's the time of year to thank uh, all the moms in your life for everything they do for you. So not just your mom, other moms. Just randomly, you know, thank other mothers. I don't know about that. <laughs> and so this what year, what would happen if your mom got flowers and she's opening it up? She's like, "Thanks for everything, love, Eddie." What on earth? <laughs> <laughs> what in the? Thanks for being what on? <laughs> I've never even met that guy. Hey, you can uh, thank the mothers in your life with a bouquet this year of roses from 1800flowers.com. They are doing a special deal for Relevant Podcast listeners. If you go to 1800flowers.com slash relevant, you can get an uh, exclusive offer of 24 multicolored roses for just $24. That is just for Relevant Podcast listeners while supplies last. Uh, you have to go to uh, 1800flowers.com slash relevant. I can't reiterate that enough. And I really did buy... I bought my mom 36 roses Whoa. last week from 1800flowers.com slash relevant. Yeah, Chandler, how many did you buy? And... And uh, the note that I put on the order was, Happy Mother's Day. Love your your favorite son. 
That's how I signed it. Yeah. Well, it's and true. she then called Channing and thanked him. <laughs> <laughs> this uh, is so thoughtful, Channing. Like, really and, and Channing was just like, yeah, you're welcome. You're welcome. Sweet. I actually love you a lot, Mom. <laughs> Doesn't know what she's talking about, but great. You're the best. You just gotta uh, run with it, man. Yeah. To access this special offer and other fantastic deals uh, just for our listeners, go to 1-800-Flowers.com slash relevant. Do it, for real. There's actually some really great deals over there. And, uh, by the way, you can select how you want it to be delivered. I got a, uh, a circular crystal or clear vase uh, for the thing, like a cylinder vase and stuff. It's going to really be beautiful. Oh, it sounds lovely. And I forgot to put my name on it now that I'm telling you about the card. I really did. <laughs> I mean, I have a feeling Sweet. she'll know immediately. I'm like, who else? I mean, Channing. Yeah. What's he, he going to do? He's going to give her another this is, gift. This, to... this is Chandler or Eddie or maybe a team effort. I'm going to make a card like I have I've done oh, yeah. the last few years. With a little, uh, with a little thing inside, like, uh, you, like a coupon for a free car wash. I just a coupon like for Photoshop a free my hug. face onto her favorite animals. Yeah, you're like, do you really? Yeah. <laughs> What are what are her favorite yeah, animals? Like you do face pick. swap with animals. Yeah, so I Photoshop my face on. Uh, she has a few dogs that she that you know they're pomeranians, like, yeah. the ones with the floppy no, ears. No, no, no. It's um, no. They look Wait, like pomeranians. She has three? They're papillons. Papillons. Yeah, oh. that's right. Yeah. Yeah. So has... I just Photoshop my face on on the on the papillons. How, how does she like that gift every year? She loves it. I did. Uh, she also has a parrot. I so Photoshop my, you should my do face this. on a parrot. You once. should do it like an active. Wait, wait, wait. Wait, hey, we need to back up. Wait, she has three of the same dog and yes. a parrot. Is that yeah. all? Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. What mm-hmm. are their names? I want to know if the sons know uh, the, the names. The parrot is called Amigo. Oh. Um, <laughs> then the dogs are Callie, Corey, and uh, I don't actually don't remember I the don't third know. one. Got to be another. Something with a C. It's with yeah. a C. Yeah, yeah, Wait, yeah, yeah. What's it's her What's her love with the letter C? I don't Chandler, know. All of her children. I don't know. All of her children. Yeah. That is really uh, so what are you going to do to mix up the your face on her dogs? Are they going to be like like playing tennis or like wear little outfits with your I mean, face? Can I, how about how about how about they're playing poker? No one's ever done that. <laughs> a little, do little, it. Little day in the life, I the mean, secret we, life of her we, pets. We could ask the listeners. I could make something that yeah. They, uh, I think I could see a Noah's Ark one. That's <laughs> true. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, Just oh, full. Uh, Noah's Ark full of five thousand papillons with your face. Oh, that's a, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, that's brilliant. <laughs> yeah. That's a lot of work, but uh, it's kind of like a Where's Waldo. What? You leave one of them. Yeah. You leave one dog face. Go, go redo the latest issue of uh, Charisma with all your face over everybody else's oh, face. Yeah, that's a, that's a great idea. <gasps> yes. Yeah, no matter the content. Yeah. just um, It's a Charisma magazine starring you. Yeah. I'm bad. Hey, for, for a Mother's Day special, could I? I'm so fascinated by other women named Joy. Can I, I, wanna, can I interview her? With the oh, crux oh of the conversation. Be what it's like having the name Joy. <laughs> right, 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 right. <laughs> not, not, the, not the crux, like beginning, middle, end, thesis, all of it, all yeah. about Joy. <laughs> Jordan Smith is best known for winning season nine of the hit reality competition, The Voice. Uh, Smith grew up singing in church, and he was the show's first singer to hit the number one spot on the iTunes store's pop chart. His new album is called Something Beautiful, and it's out now. Our editorial director, Aaron Hambury, recently spoke with him about the experience of being on the show, going from working a college campus job to TV celebrity overnight, almost, and uh, the music that's influenced him most. Here is Jordan Smith.
I guess let's let's start out with with the voice because I think obviously that's what where a lot of people know you from. Can you walk us through that process? I mean, what what was that like? Why did you decide to be on the show in the first place? Yeah, um, I would love to. I have been a fan of the voice for a very long time, and I had a lot of people in my life that were saying, "Oh, you should consider auditioning for the voice," and "Oh, you would do such a great job if you ever went on that show." And so um, I decided to audition just kind of on a whim. Auditions were coming close to me in Nashville mm-hmm. in uh, February of 2014. And so I was in college in Tennessee at the time. And a couple of friends and myself just drove through the night and went to the audition. And um, I sang and I got a call back. And I thought that that was it because I had always been convinced as I was watching the show and, and just thinking about it, that I was meant to be a part of it. Hmm. And so I got a call back. I went to my call back the next week and I didn't hear anything back after that. And I was, I was turned down. Huh. So I was pretty disappointed just because, like I said, I thought that that was my time. And I thought that, you know, I was meant to be on the show and this was, <laughs> that was like my moment. <laughs> and so I just went back to school, kept working two jobs, kept singing in my college choir. And an entire year later, in February of 2015, I got a call from uh, someone who works in the casting department and they said, Hi Jordan, um, I work for a show called The Voice and I saw a video of you singing online and I wondered if you ever considered auditioning for our show. <laughs> hmm. Wow. And so I ended up going back and I sang the same exact song that I sang the first time and I ended up getting more callbacks and then I eventually got to sing that in the live playoffs in the first live round of the show on on the show with on two years later. So yeah. it was pretty it was pretty uh, a pretty full circle moment for me. So was the show, you know, when you're doing like the back end of the show, was that what you expected? I mean, what was it like interacting, you know, with the judges and the other cast members and all that kind of thing? I can honestly say that what you see on the show is is really what it's like. The coaches are super positive. The whole atmosphere is just so creative and encouraging and positive. And uh, you really do spend time with your coach, working on your songs, working on your stage presence, learning from them. And you have a whole team of people behind the scenes that are helping you feel comfortable on stage. They're helping you work through your song and give you suggestions on on how to sing the song better and how to perform better. And so it's just, um, it's pretty much what you see right there. They don't, there's no, uh, you know, there's no predetermined list of who turns around for who during the blind auditions or who you're supposed to pick or what team you're supposed to be on. It really is a pretty genuine experience. Mm. So what got you into music in the first place? So, you, you know, you're back in rural Kentucky, and then I guess you go to college at Lee in, in, in Tennessee. So uh, these are all, like, religious backgrounds. Was it, like, church choir, that kind of thing? Yeah, exactly. I, I grew up singing. I started singing at home when I was a kid because my parents were both singers. Mm-hmm. And uh, we sang together at home and in church and in the car. And I sang in the shower and while I was going to sleep at night. And I sang just all the time growing up as a kid. I loved music and my family loved music. And so I started singing with them, singing in church. And as I grew up, I started uh, leading music in my church. I joined my school choir and band and 
and it just kind of was uh, an integral part of our family growing up. From the time that you get that second call, um, the, you know the, they want you to audition again to the time you win the voice. How 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 long is that? Well, I got the second call in February, and I went back for some callback auditions, and I did some going back and forth, and I finished out uh, that spring semester of college, mm-hmm. and then I went back to LA around May or June, and we started rehearsing and filming and everything for the show, um, and I was kind of. Mostly in LA between June and December. There's a, a total of a couple of months between there that I got to be at home, but it was a lot of back and forth. Yeah, so so not a, not a lot of time there at all. So you get out there and you're you're about to do record an album. You know your your first solo album. Uh, tell me about that process. I mean, it seems like you probably in this scenario had a, a blank slate about what you could do, um, and obviously you, you've chosen kind of an eclectic album, a lot of different vibes on there in terms of the musical variety, what went into what went into creating this album? This whole process of working on this album was so much fun. I had done a little bit of recording before The Voice, and then one time I made it onto the show, the studio really became kind of my place I felt like home. We were so busy doing other things during the week and filming and, and doing so many things that were outside of my comfort zone that when I finally came to time to go into the studio and record the songs for iTunes, I felt comfortable and I felt at home. And this process was very similar. I loved being in the studio. I got to work with some amazing people, Stefan Macchio, Bill Appleberry, David Foster. They're all they're all legends in their own right, living legends and, and working with them was such a rewarding experience. And and getting to choose these songs, you were mentioning, you know, how eclectic that it is. I got to handpick songs that I believe in. Mm-hmm. Whether they were originals that I helped work on or that I chose or covers, these are all songs that I think tell a story. And so mm-hmm. I got to put them together as a collection, as a collection of stories, but also as a story, you know, as a whole. And I got to record songs that I really just believed in. And this entire album came about in a very organic way. When we were working on these songs, the arrangements and, and the things that came out of them were just our initial instincts. You know, what happens when we sit down at a piano and we sing this song? And that's what made it onto the record. There, was, there wasn't a lot of, you know, having to sit down and figure out how to make it our own or how to change it. It was just what kind of came naturally to us. Mm. Do you have a, I don't know what, I don't know if favorite's the right word, but do you, is there a track or two on the album that stand out to you particularly that you were uh, most excited about for whatever reason, for the reason you chose the song or because the recording process was, you know, this or that? Yeah, there, there are a couple of songs that stick out to me. Um, and So It Goes is a Billy Joel song, mm-hmm. my favorite Billy Joel song and one of my favorite songs of all time. And this song in particular, not just because I love it, but it sticks out to me because I actually got to play it for myself on piano as well. And I got to play on uh, I got to play on one other song as well, but this song, it was just so much fun to record. And even as I was playing it on the piano, I, I had the lyrics on the piano as I was recording and just reading through as I was playing. And I felt it so much. And I think this song is has ended up being so emotional on the recording, not only because I felt it when I was singing it, because I really felt it and meant it while I was playing it too. Mm-hmm. And you can feel all of that emotion through the recording. So I would choose to be with 
The other song, honestly, there's a lot, but the other song that sticks out to me is um, Over the Rainbow. Mm-hmm. That one came about I, uh, the night before I was sent to go into the studio. I had dinner with David Foster and a few other people, and and we ended up, of course, as David usually would, we ended up sitting down at a piano and just playing through some songs. And this song was kind of, you know, our go-to, our, our initial instinct of a song that we would both be doing together and he sat down and played it and I sang it and it was the night before that we decided it had to be on the album what we experienced in was just so magical and every time I hear it I think back to that it was the first time we'd even met but yet that music just kind of flowed through us and and became something special so that song also you know sticks out to me and it's a song that I've loved for a very long time so it was just really special that it that it got to make it onto the project So tell me, I mean, you've got this album, it's been out not quite a month. Um, you're doing press and these kind of things, and I assume you'll be touring with it a little bit. What What do you plan to do next? Yeah, I've been on a promotional tour, like you said, for the album for the last little bit, doing some talk shows and, and lots of fun stuff like that, lots of interviews. And I'm excited to get this music in front of people. I don't think there's anything quite like experiencing that connection with an audience when you're performing, mm-hmm. especially music like what's on this album. I think that it's uh, it's meant to be experienced in person. And so I'm excited to uh, be able to get this in front of people soon. And, and we're talking, you know, for plans of touring and of, of different performance opportunities that I have. And I love every chance to perform and to get in front of people. So I'm looking forward to doing a lot more of that with this music. That was Jordan Smith. Follow him on Twitter at Jordan Smith Live. You're listening to Yak. Uh, the, the song is Harbor the Feeling. So the Yak's on the wooden ark replica. <laughs> That's a Yak. And it's about being in the harbor and the feeling of being in the harbor right before the ship sinks because there's too many Yaks on it. That's Yak. You're supposed to have only two of every Yak. <laughs> Who ordered a dozen Yaks? We have a dozen Yak and a pigeon. This is a huge mix-up. We have yaks and pigeon. <laughs> this is the worst arc ever. <laughs> and Pomeranians. <laughs> this is nothing but a bunch of dogs with Chandler's face and some yaks. <laughs> I do not want to go to Brazil now. <laughs> this makes no sense. <laughs>
Harbor the Feeling by Yak. Run, Razor, run. Tell run. them about the Yaks. <laughs> Jason Falada is the director of the Micah Challenge US, an anti-poverty organization dedicated to getting Christians engaged in important issues like injustice and climate change. Stephen Roach is a worship artist at Morningstar Ministries and a member of the band Songs of Water. Our very own Joy Egrich recently spoke with him about the new film, For the Love of, uh, the importance of the Paris Climate Talks and why Christians need to be engaged with the issue of climate change. Here is Jason Folletta and Stephen Roach. I am here today in person, not over Skype. We are together in a Portland studio, my friend Chase's studio, and I'm speaking with Jason Filetta and Stephen Roach, who I felt like I met you guys last night. You didn't meet me. I was just a creeper in the audience. Um, but I, you did the premiere, right, of your film, For the Love. Um, so why don't you uh, tell the listeners a little bit about what that film is? Yeah, so For the Love Of is a film that follows a handful of artists. So John Mark McMillan, Stephen Roach, who is sitting here with us, and William Matthews and Sarah McMillan. And we, we being Micah Challenge, the organization I work with, um, took them to Paris during the International Climate Summit, which is like this huge meeting, 150 world leaders there to talk about the challenge of climate change. So we took these guys there and basically just set up a bunch of awesome meetings with people. And we were really fortunate that a lot of them came through, like former president of Ireland, Mary Robinson, um, this amazing uh, activist and believer named Yeb Sanyo. And we just filmed these interviews. And then we would go back to our apartment and talk about it, mm-hmm. and we filmed those. And uh, that's what the film is about, is these these folks learning about this issue and sort of processing everything they saw and heard in Paris and what that means for us. Well, so Stephen, my question for you, you're in a band called uh, Songs of Water. Tell me why, as a musician, um, you felt the need to get involved with this project. Sure. I, I think for me, um, it really ties in to my faith. Um, I've always seen stewardship, you know, of the environment as just a way to worship as, you know, I look at the earth and I see God's art, I, you mm-hmm. know, and um, and so for me, um, it was it was a real natural transition. Um, I worked with uh, Anna Jane. She's yeah. the, the Here Now um, uh, group that also worked on the film. And which let me, a side note on her, fascinating. Mm-hmm. I started Googling her last night. She's part of that show, a Showtime mm-hmm. um, that people can check out um, called Years of Living Dangerously. And she's in the Pastor's Daughter mm-hmm. uh, yeah. segment. So I'm really excited to watch yeah. that if people yeah. want to learn more. Check it out. Well, she and I worked together several years ago um, on a project for mountaintop removal in, in North Carolina that was happening in, in Boone and different parts of North Carolina. So we had a history of sort of collaborating together. And uh, she reached out to me on this and um and it really resonated with me so yeah and you you said something um that struck me last night you said you know if i thought this was political 
because I think that is where some of the divisiveness mm-hmm. comes in and why some people don't right. want to listen to it. You said, if I thought this was political beforehand, I don't see it that way now. Sure. So what happened when you traveled over uh, to Paris and listened to these talks and interviewed people that changed? Is that when it changed your mindset from being political to yeah, not? Yeah, you know, I I, um, I had a sneaky hunch that um, the political stuff was a lot of rhetoric that I wanted to get underneath anyway, mm-hmm. you know? And so when we went to Paris, it localized it for me. I began to see faces and names and I began to hear stories and in, in, in these narratives from people that uh, this wasn't a concept or a theory. This was an impact on their daily life, you know. Mm-hmm. And so I think for me, that's that's when it's sort of, um, it, you know, it hit the ground for me. Yeah. So tell me, for someone that's listening and says, you know, I hear climate change, global warming, I hear these things, but I actually do not know what it is and how I personally am, contrib- am contributing to it. Can you guys explain that for someone who may not know? I think that it is built into our lifestyle. Like, like we wake up and just live a certain way and embedded in that lifestyle is a dependence on fossil fuels. Um, the things that we buy, the food that we buy, the way we ourselves get around, it is all transported by a fuel system that is emitting carbon. So that's like a simple way that we have all kind of You know, there's a conversation in the film that um, could be challenging for some people because it's this idea that we're all guilty. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? Um, But I don't think that has to be a negative thing. It's really just like an owning of like, yeah, I am part of a world. I am just inevitably as a consumer, a part of like a system that is perpetuating injustice in the world. Mm -hmm. And there's a lot of freedom in being able to admit that and own that and feel a conviction about it that leads you to want to respond you know and i feel like this is one of those issues where we don't even it's not like we chose to be horrible to the earth yeah (laughs) we just grew up and did what we were told to do Mm -hmm. we like bought cars and we bought things made really far away we you know we just did all the things that are normal it's Mm -hmm. embedded in our society and so i think like for me that's like a hard thing for a lot of people to accept, but I think young people accept it pretty readily because yeah. they've already realized that about a number of other things in their lives. That was Jason Fleta and Stephen Roach. You can watch their new documentary, For the Love of. It is streaming right now at relevant.tv. The song is Sweater Weather 
which uh, currently right now in Florida, it is no longer. So <laughs> it's inapplicable. Yeah, uh, enjoying life. Uh, the, the neighborhood is a great segue because they appear in the new issue of Relevant, um, which is out now shipping this week or next week. Um, uh, our May issue. So joining us to kind of give a behind the scenes of, of what to expect in this issue is our editorial director, Aaron Hanbury. Hi. And uh, Jesse is on the line as well. Uh, Joy and Eddie uh, stepped aside for a segment and they'll be back later in the show. Well, the, like I said, the new issue is shipping uh, currently. If you're a subscriber, you've probably got it in your hands in the last couple of days. And uh, if you have uh, a tablet, it's on the iTunes store, the Google Play store. It's on, hitting newsstands right now. Uh, it officially releases on the 1st. But um, we'd like to give you guys a little bit of behind-the-scenes stuff. So I'm not going to necessarily just go through the whole issue and kind of tell you everything on every page. What I want to do is just like point out some highlights, some things that the kind of the, the why we put it together the way we did, uh, some of the thought behind it, and then the guys are going to highlight some of their favorite moments uh, as well. Uh, the issue, like I said, the neighborhood is in it. So on the music side of things, there's some great bands that we talked to. The neighborhoods, awesome even though they yeah. have the British spelling of the word neighborhood, mm-hmm. and they're blowing up right now. They're from LA. I didn't know that. Yeah. 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 It's they're the, only black and white. They, yeah. This is they're the weirdest thing. So we don't do black and white photos in the magazine yeah. because like I feel like, given our paper, uh, it it would look like we were trying to cut save dollars by not having uh, a full you know what I mean yeah, it just yeah, it yeah. doesn't you don't quite cheap. look no. like a fashion this magazine a right yeah. right yeah. so I um, so we we work with bands to do photo shoots and you know uh, and they would not appear in color mm-hmm. and then when they appeared on uh, Fallon or Kimmel no they turned down the Tonight Show yeah the Tonight Show they turned because down because they wouldn't let them because do black and white they would only film themselves in black and white and then they and actually all their music videos and everything everything's everything. black and white they've never appeared in color anywhere anywhere Gimmicks. so wow okay. they turned down the Tonight Show guess that is insane so uh, while the Tonight Show you know uh, wouldn't cave too, we did, too. and we have black and white photos of the neighborhood. Oh, really? So yeah, I like to think we're a lot nicer than the Tonight Show. <laughs> yeah. We're accommodating. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, anyway, yeah. So the neighborhood, we talked to them. Awesome LA bass bands blown up. Uh, other music stuff for King Country is in the issue. They are Australian Christian guys who not only have a new album coming out, uh, they they uh, are they have one big fan in Taylor Swift. They do. They have yeah. a film. That's a really important fan to have. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> well, they did a cover of a Swift song, and she you know freaked out about it, and they, she they, said it was her favorite right. cover. Yeah. Yeah. And then they have a movie coming out, and mm-hmm. so these guys are blowing up right now. Very epic music, like an epic sound. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Also, we have Mr. Little Jeans, who we have loved here on the podcast for a long time. Uh, we've been playing Mr. Little Jeans for years. She's a Norwegian singer and uh, doing awesome stuff. We talked to her as well. So that's kind of the band stuff. We also, you know, in the drop, we have Wild Nothing and. Um, One of my uh, Liza Ann, Rivers and Robots, some really cool stuff. We talked to Kim Walker Smith mm-hmm. uh, from Jesus Culture, who's unbelievable. Um, and so, a lot of great music, but I'm kind of like flying past the music. Yeah. You know, we're known for the intersection of faith and culture, so there's our yeah. culture stuff, mm-hmm. but, but there's a lot more in this issue. It was a great issue. So, we ha- it's packed. It really is packed. So, um, if you remember, if you've been listening to the podcast, we had a conversation with Rob Bell a month or two ago, mm-hmm. um, and we also have a feature with Rob in this issue where, uh, we, you know, we talk about that 
you know, kind of the journey and the controversy and what, what he's up to now and uh, whether you have negative thoughts of Rob mm-hmm. and his teachings or positive thoughts of Rob and his teachings, I, I would challenge you to read this uh, conversation with Rob. It's, uh, it was really fascinating. Yeah, it was really interesting. And, uh, and we also have John Gray in the issue. John, I mean, I've heard about him for years, but I first saw him speaking at a Jesus Culture conference, and this guy kills it. He uh, is one of the pastors at Lakewood, Joel Osteen's church, but I mean, he is a larger-than-life figure. This guy, I'm, I'm gonna, I mean, he's probably 6'4", six, 6'5". Six, uh, he looks like a football player. Sings, you know, like in the middle of the sermons, you know, he'll just bust out with this like huge voice, black gospel, and then like he's one of the funniest humans. I mean, and and then also like brings scripture mm-hmm. and brings the word. And I mean, you'll see him at Hillsong mm-hmm. Conference. You'll see him at, at every, this guy. He is in so many different streams mm-hmm. of Kevin Christianity. Durant, Steph Curry, if they're if they're on Instagram, there's a good chance John's in one of the yeah. photos. Yeah, I, yeah, John was afraid. in the background of Justin Bieber's Instagram uh, recently. Yeah. Like Bieber was just like, man, his only his only post was John Gray, man. He's the real deal and like john was like praying with justin or something i mean yeah. this guy's everywhere. everywhere yeah well, when, when steph curry you know sprained his knee it was john gray waiting in the tunnel to pray with him <laughs> you know i mean yeah the playoffs just everywhere. last week a couple days ago yeah. it was john there yeah. yeah that's true i fell the other day jogging and john gray was there <laughs> <laughs> when joy joy's stare injury i heard john gray just he peeked in the window i'll get you joy. <laughs> I was going to, to, just, just passing through i heard a fall heard john, a yell heard the screech john came running everywhere <laughs> Um, it's fascinating and we love telling his story. We, uh, it was fun trying to like get a photo shoot lined up with him because he was literally in like a different city every day. And we're just like, well, here's five options, you know, uh, LA, Seattle, whatever. We were able to find some photographers to meet up with him. It's, it's great. So, uh, check that out. Um, the evangelicals, we look at, you know, like in the news political year right now, everybody's about the evangelical vote. Like who are the evangelicals voting for? We decided to kind of go. Uh, who are actual evangelicals yeah, by this about? definition? Is that our parents? Is that us? Because we're a little different from each other. So we did a piece looking at the evangelicals. Um, we have a, a piece um, uh, about sexual temptation. Mm-hmm. Um, we had a piece by uh, Claire Diaz-Ortiz, who is mm-hmm. a Silicon Valley innovator about a living machine. a life yeah. of intentionality and actual simplicity. We talked to world changer Seth Godin Absolutely. about Super actually how do you change the world? Um but again, I'm flying through the issue. We look at South Sudan. We look at one of the biggest social justice issues that, that, that people aren't talking about. We take, a, we take a, a thoughtful look at this. Is there actually a Christian argument for legalizing marijuana? Mm-hmm. And uh, we don't look at the intoxication aspects of it necessarily. We look at um, uh, the criminal justice system yeah. and, and rehabilitation and, and how our country is dealing with the issue. Yeah. And, and as Christians, yeah. yeah, and as Christians looking at this as a justice issue, mm-hmm. uh, it kind of changes your, the conversation a little bit. Yeah, absolutely. Um, there's a lot, there's a ton up in front matter. Slices is packed full of fascinating Morgan Freeman things. is in Slices? Yeah, yeah, we talked to Morgan Freeman. That's right. Yeah. Um, Morgan Freeman talks about his new uh, Nat Geo series, The Story of God. This is a packed issue and yeah. I haven't even gotten to the big stuff. Yeah, you know it's yeah. a good issue and Morgan Freeman is just like glossed over. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) The guy who has played God on multiple occasions (laughs) is in our magazine. Oh yeah. And oh yeah, by the way. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I guess we'll take this call from you, but yeah, yeah, he's, he's, he's played God and he's been in Batman. He's got some cred. (laughs) (laughs) That's true. I forgot about the Batman part, but I would say all three of us would agree that our three favorite pieces I haven't mentioned yet. Absolutely. Absolutely. Well, right on the cover. I mean, the, the biggest face in the magazine is critically acclaimed actor uh, Ewan McGregor. 
uh, which we were super excited to feature. Obviously, he's been in stuff as big as Star Wars, um, and he's in a bunch of... Uh, which I just saw the other day, by the way. The I, just one, saw, the I, I just saw one, two, and three with oh, uh, yeah. with uh, Cohen the other day for the first time. I'm slightly sorry, but at yeah. least you got to see Ewan McGregor. Yeah. Yeah, they're not great, when but it was really weird tail. seeing like, yeah, Rat Tail Ewan McGregor, because <laughs> I had been McGregor. staring at this photo shoot of Ewan McGregor for a while, and I was like, oh, that was him in the 90s. Yeah. So. <laughs> yeah, well, he uh, he's in a new art house film where he actually, and this is super bold, super risky of him, he portrays both Jesus and the devil right. in the same film. Right. So the, the film takes place in The Temptation of Jesus, The 40 Days in the Desert, and it's the last day or two that Jesus spends in the desert. So it's an extra biblical episode. Um, well, and, and, and not, o- not only, yeah, I know it's technically, uh, you know, like an art film because, of, you know, the, the story is non-conventional, but the cinematographer who did Last Days in the Desert did, his la- his two prior movies were Birdman and The Revenant. Yeah, Both he won of- the last two Oscars. And it's a gorgeous film. Yeah, and he, he shot, shot this. shot beautifully. It, it, there's only five people that appear in it mm-hmm. totally. It's shot unbelievable. They screened it for us here at our office a few months ago, and... It was, uh, the ending was unexpected, I would say. <laughs> I, would say so, yeah. uh, I would say, like, uh, it's, it's, it's worth seeing. Uh, Absolutely. The ending was, was odd. But what Ewan did to explore the human mm-hmm. side of Jesus and Satan, and, you know, again, this is an extra biblical narrative. It's not, I wouldn't say that it conflicts with Scripture in any way. It's just not alluded to. Right. Um, it, it really gives you an understanding and an empathy for kind of how difficult this 40 days would have been for him. Yeah. So he, he said that he looked across, say, the canon of Jesus portrayals in film, and he thought that they were all too um, divine, too God's son. Uh, and so he wanted to tap into that earthy side. So he spent a lot of time um, reading more like Jewish literature. His wife actually is a, is a practicing Jew and tapping into what Jesus would have been like, you know, the things that he would have uh, perhaps been about, what he'd been interested in, what his physical characteristics would have been, and really tapped into that. And there's, I'm not going to give away what he does, but uh, the difference, there's a couple physical differences between when he's Satan and when he's Jesus. And uh, it's it's funny and really clever and yeah, absolutely. incredibly well done. So yeah, like a powerful that. performance by him and a great conversation that he gave us too. So the feature really just diving into what he did in that uh, movie and then how it fits in the his broader scope of his work was I think super interesting. We we're really excited. Yeah, about really, it. really proud proud to publish that piece. It was really yeah, good. and just the the fact that it's going to put you know the person of Jesus, not just his teachings, but the person of Jesus into the cultural dialogue is something that is significant. Sure. Absolutely, with, with essentially no um, agenda behind it. I mean, yeah. it's not like yeah, it's not like, proselytizing. Yeah, yeah. Like this wasn't like married Jesus and all of these things. It yeah. was it was, it was a pretty um, orthodox look. One of the ones that uh, I had the opportunity to work on was about a sort of this new trend in comedy uh, for uh, some of the young talent to really be addressing social justice issues head on. And the the evolution of this piece was really interesting. I feel like we can probably give some behind the scenes here. Yeah. I don't want to give too much away of the story, but you know the impetus of the story was we wanted to talk to Hannibal Burris about. Uh, what had happened when he did a stand-up routine that talked about uh, you know how people were glossing over 
the the rape allegations leveled against Bill Cosby for decades. You know, after he did that comedy routine and it went viral, mm-hmm. all of a sudden that story is back in the the mainstream conversation, and you know, ultimately led to his downfall and led to him coming to justice. Uh, and so we thought, man, let's talk to Anil Burst about this. this. is an interesting story, and the story that ended up emerging. Because uh, Hannibal Burst now has a conflicted relationship mm-hmm. a little bit with that material and what has happened to, to him. But it really ended up being this metaphor for something that's happening throughout comedy is what is the role of comedians and culture right now to expose injustice while still being funny? We got the opportunity to talk to a lot of really thoughtful, talented people in addition to Hannibal. Uh, and all of them had really interesting thoughts about what the role, what role comedy has in exposing injustice and tackling tough issues with humor. It was a really fun piece to put together. But it's a really challenging piece because these people had a lot of heavy thoughts. Uh, so I, 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 this is one that I was really proud of how it came together. I, you know, uh, Aziz Ansari is case in point, or the new uh, Apatow, you know, series Love is a case in point where it's like using kind of alt comedy to kind of raise issues, societal issues, and justice issues and things. It's it's smart and it's a new era for comedy, and we love it. As you're as you're reading the issue, as you're reading this piece. Uh, there is a moment where Jesse directly asks Hannibal about the the Cosby controversy, which it, Hannibal has very uh, strong and not positive feelings about. He, he hates, didn't want to talk about it. He hates. He did not that, want to talk about he did it. Not want to talk about it. He hates I, that. That's what he's becoming known as is the guy who took down Cosby. So when Jesse finally conjures up the the courage. To ask him directly about it, his answer is one of my favorite answers we've ever gotten in 16 years of publishing. So it's great. Yeah, yeah. I, I encourage you to read it. I don't know if we'll ever release the audio, but you want to hear the most awkward three yeah. minutes of dialogue between two people, one of whom is just heavily breathing in anger the whole time. Maybe we can post the interview yeah, between the, 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 the interview itself could have been a segment in like some kind of Judd Apatow. Uh, based oh, comedy feature. Wonderful. But to be honest, it, it, it ended up being like this, such a, a telling metaphor for where I feel like a lot of comedians are because they want to be seen as artists and not, you know, these, you know, someone with an agenda. But anyway, uh, I encourage you to read the piece. It, it was fun to put together. I would say, I would say this though. My favorite piece in the entire issue was one that in every editorial meeting, I was the skeptic in the room. I was the one saying, guys, this sounds lame. Guys, this isn't going to be good. Guys, doubted it. guys, this is going to be the piece that we need to have a backup for so I'll I mean go all the way through the editorial process but I'm just letting you know now that 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 we might want to have a backup ready just in case it doesn't quite <laughs> land because the likelihood that this is going to be good is very remote and I would say this piece absolutely floored me and um, and is probably easily the best piece in the issue tell us about it Jesse Oh, well, thanks. This is one, another one I had the opportunity to work on about uh, a video game. You may have heard of it. Uh, you may not. It's sort of in the indie game space, but it's got a lot of coverage because of some of the themes it talks about. The video game is called That Dragon Cancer. And so just for a little context, I don't want to give away uh, the too much of the resolution of the story uh, that's in the magazine, but uh, the game started as an idea between a husband and wife. The husband uh, was a video game developer and one of their young children was diagnosed with terminal cancer. And as a way, and they were they were both believing Christians and they they deeply believed that God would heal their son. They believed in the miraculous healing power of God literally. And as sort of a testament to their journey, uh, they decided to document the the first years of his life and their journey with him going to the hospital and getting treatment. 
in what is technically a video game, but it's almost like an interactive film. Mm -hmm. And if you get a chance to play it, it's a moving, it's difficult experience. But they wanted to make a monument to his healing because every milestone in this young kid's life, he would blow through what the doctors were telling him. And so uh, they believed, like I said, in the healing power of God, and they wanted to show it in this unique form, this really artful, beautiful, elegant game. And, and, And during the course of them making this game and during their son's life, some uh, the the story takes uh, goes in some unexpected directions. Yeah, and that's and that's in the game. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And that, that's yeah. the crazy thing is like you're like live playing w- what they experienced. Mm-hmm. This this game uh, we first heard about it I think on Radio Lab. Yeah, right. And, and then wired, like and Wired, wired is covered. And 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 this game is getting so much buzz in the gaming world because it's so moving. This is an incredibly cynical kind of world. Mm-hmm. And yeah. this is a very sincere, vulnerable, transparent kind of journey and a very different and unexpected thing. And people are openly weeping. People are praying during mm-hmm. it. I mean, during a it, game. It is a spiritual experience. Yeah. It is unlike... And in talking with... I can't express enough gratitude to Ryan and Amy Green, the parents who were willing to talk to us on a level. Because I had heard the radio lab story, I read you know, what, what was in Wire, but I feel like they talked to us about things that they haven't talked about to Absolutely. other people. Absolutely. Yeah, we got a portion of that story nobody else got. Yeah. It's, it truly is one of the favorite things that I've had the you know opportunity to be a part of. And um, uh, like I said, it was, it was emotional writing. It was emotional talking to them. It was emotional playing the game. Mm-hmm. Uh, and just a really interesting story, too. Yeah. It's, yeah. it's a piece of art. Yeah, you don't have to like video games. This is a human interest story. And that was the thing that I was skeptical if we could take it to a level, like make this appealing to people outside of video game fans. Mm-hmm. And, and what grabs you immediately is the human element of mm-hmm. this story. This is not a video game story. Story. Absolutely, and yeah. um, it was Absolutely. moving, moving. It's a, it's an unbelievable issue. It's a great issue. Yeah, it's really it, fun. We edited the heck out of it. <laughs> I hope, <laughs> I hope you all uh, enjoy it. Um, I w- go over to the the website. You can uh, subscribe uh, if you aren't a subscriber yeah, and get it. it. And uh, definitely pick it up on newsstands. Pick it up on the app store. Um, you can also view it at relevantmagazine.com. Uh, there's a digital replica there where you can actually flip through the full issue for free uh, if you want to see it that way as well. So um, go check it out. The new issue of Relevant is coming out in this next week. Don't miss it. Stay tuned. Up next, feedback. listening to Royal Blood. The song is Where Are You Now? It's from the uh, official soundtrack of that HBO show Vinyl, which was uh, very good. Uh, it's about the late 70s, early 80s yeah, kind of rock scene. I thought in, it was great. In New York, yeah. So this song's Royal Blood's I was on that really soundtrack. impressed with Ray Romano. Yeah. I'm like, it's hard to not see him as... Dab! <laughs> right. <Yeah. laughs> right. Oh, Raymond. That's the brother. Yeah, yeah, the other one, yeah. Can I just say this, though? I feel like Ray Romano's embraced the character too much because now every appearance I've seen him on, he's wearing a black leather jacket, which isn't a problem. Like, black leather jackets are cool. But one, he's Ray Romano, and I've never seen it before now. But it seems like he never's taking that thing off. Yeah, like because that's like his, you know, like his thing on the show. Like he's a mu- cool music guy. It, it, 
But yeah, it's but like, no, no, no. He's get not, outside of character. No, get he's back. not, though. He's not the cool music guy. He's kind of like the partner who kind of gets overlooked and like kind of has a chip on his shoulder about the... Anyway. Well, let, let me say this. He, stay, in, stay in your lane, Ray. Everyone loved the flannel jean thing you had going for like two <laughs> decades. It was his thing, you know? Yeah. It'd be like seeing Kevin James saunter around in a cool rock jacket. <laughs> it's just, just a little disorienting, that's yeah. all. <laughs> Raymond. Last week, uh, Jesse brought a slice about uh, the breaking news that Merriam-Webster's dictionary was adding 2,000 words to it uh, with a lot of kind of just phrases and stuff of just kind of, you know, modern things that just I didn't think were worthy. Just of. oogie. Yeah. Well, then Joy mentions how she added a phrase to UrbanDictionary.com that she made up. And, uh, and so we thought, what other words or phrases should be added to Merriam-Webster moving forward? Uh, and, and, and so we asked you guys to help us come, come up with them, and we asked you also for their definition. You hit us up on Twitter at Relevant Podcast. You also posted your suggestions on the podcast episode page at relevantmagazine.com. Here are a few of our favorites. Uh, a relevant <clears throat> user on, the, our, on our website by the name Jewelry Monk said, uh, this is a great name. suggestion, Binge Gret. <laughs> and there's no definition needed, just a TV, a broken watch, and a tear emoji. I'm assuming that means <laughs> when you've spent, you know, it, it, you look at your, you look at, you know, your, your, your TV clock or whatever, and it's now four in the morning and you've, you've <laughs> yeah. you know, wasted all your sleeping time catching up on, on episodes of, you Gilmore know, Bar- Girls. So, yeah. <laughs> John had a great one. I loved John's. Uh, John said, uh, f- flirtship. Which is kind of like flirtship, like um, when a guy raises his hands or jumps or kneels in response to the cute girl doing the same thing a few seats away during the more music portion of a church service. Oh yeah, <laughs> I was like, that's very very. That's a, that's a baller move right there. That's a veteran yeah. move. That is, yeah. Andrew Michael uh, suggested. He said uh, recently he actually combined wedding and marriage, and it came out wearage. He said so. That's clearly a werewolf marriage. <laughs> and, and you would use I that like so that. much in day-to-day conversation especially if you're discussing the twilight series <laughs> it has it has been a while but an old friend uh has uh, resurfaced a huge ship uh the word was trimmered when someone hates you so much they publish a highly ridiculed book telling all living creatures to avoid you there is a lot of backstory to this but just ask a huge ship on twitter and yeah it or, will give or, you all or the information. look up the book how to avoid huge ships by captain john trimmer yeah on- on read the reviews you won't be disappointed Uh, i love dean cooper's his was d vowel and it said when a band can't think of a good name and resort to removing the vowels in a normal word or words examples being htrk for hate rock brns for brains dlrn for delorean etc this is only slightly more respectable when the band is european being that they can pull off such antics better i'm guilty of that i like that devoured (laughs) yeah it was good Uh, this one uh or, or I, I don't know if it's a fortunate or unfortunate meme that uh, showed up on Reddit years ago of the uh, United States, well, well, Canada wearing the United jorts in the United States region on a map uh, uh, to, to which the caption, uh, a pixelated caption said uh, that we were uh, Canada's jorts. Either way, that is uh, gonna, from now on to be known as relegate. 
Hey, uh, Tim, Tim Nisley uh, pointed out an observation. He said, my fi- my, uh, the most subtle part of this week's podcast, and his favorite, is how uh, Cameron and Chandler's laughter is almost always in sync. Uh, interesting. <laughs> like That actually took about 12 hours of post-production for Chandler to go yeah. through and meticulously sync up every Most giggle. Most of my time here is spent yeah. syncing up the We laughter. are investing heavily in laughter syncing. So yeah. that is... Finally I'm glad, off. I'm glad people are noticing. Yeah. 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 Time well spent. Uh, Joseph uh, had a great list of words when he was younger. He um, would take words and put them in his own past tense form. So it started when he was a kid and he said feld as a past tense of fold. And so he would like to uh, add a few more. So instead of saying like, the past tense of like would be loke. Bike would be boke. Uh, <laughs> remind, remound, breathe, broth. So like he went for a. He would say, I went for a boke ride yesterday. No, no, he would say, I boke there. I boked there. Okay. Yeah, so so these would be used as past tense verbs, right? Yeah, yeah. Hey, I'm not the writer here. <laughs> There's a ton of Twitter feedback Rotor. Uh, between Canadians and Americans uh, that I, I did we do something about Canada last week? Yeah. I don't even remember. Yeah, you guys, because um, Andy, Andy was, Barron. Oh, yeah. Andy was in, uh, in Canada. In the Great White and, and North. You guys, yeah, you guys um, talked about some things that I guess were not exactly factual. You know, I, uh, pff, what, you know, who knows? Potato, much? potato. You know what I'm saying? Right. Yeah. What <laughs> happens across the border is of none of our concern. We just take rumor and conjecture and we put it out there. Right. You'll sort it out. We you inform you decide. But, yeah, exactly. <laughs> if you're, I'll say this, Canada. Let me say this. If you're looking for an apology or even an acknowledgement that we said something disparaging, you've come to the wrong place. Your cries are not here. <laughs> hey, I'm really getting offended by all this uh, relevant doggy. Eh? Next thing you know, we're going to be hearing from the Dutch because of Eddie's accent. We can't. Listen, <laughs> if, if we had to apologize for every time we cause a minor international incident, right. we're not even going to have a podcast. You might as cut... Right. Cut in case you missed it, because it's going to fill all that time. So just don't worry about it. <laughs> right. so, so sorry, not sorry. Eh? I bet one eight hundred flowers doesn't even deliver to Canada. I don't even know, but we should find that out. You know what I mean? One eight hundred flowers. Do they even have one eight hundred, or is it like a long it's country code? Oh one one four three. Oh one one plus nine plus flowers four. dot com slash relevant. Um, <laughs> that'll do it for last week's feedback. It's time for this week's editorial question of the week. Hey. All right, well, 1-800-Flowers.com slash relevant. Mother's Day. Mother's Day is upon us. Yeah. It's uh, that time of year when everybody pays attention to their mom. So we, uh, for this week's question of the week, we want to know from you your favorite mom stories. Not mama jokes, mom stories. <laughs> yeah. They could, be, they could be funny. They, they could be endearing. We just want to know your, your, uh, your favorite mom story for yeah. your and mother. And we also like, we'd like a little P.S. if your mom named all the kids and her pets with the same letter. Except for one random parrot named Amigo. Right. Yeah. yeah. yeah, yeah seriously. <laughs> the favorite like, child of Amigo the parrot. <laughs> now, I will say this too, because, you know, if you want to conceal the identity of yourself or your mother, because maybe the story is embarrassing, you know, feel free to do that. You don't have to use your real name if you're posting on our website. What a what what? bizarre what? invitation. Amigo, Amigo well, I'm, I'm just saying, like, if you have, like, an embarrassing story that's about, you know, I guess, well, let me say this. Most people have no problem posting what, embarrassing what? stories of themselves on the internet for us to read. Yeah, so what I, in the I, world, but what you've said is we want the stuff that you have to be anonymous. It's so embarrassing. <laughs> I'm looking for funny stories here, Eddie. 
Yeah, so tell us your mom stories. Hit us up on the podcast episode page at relevantmagazine.com or you can hit us up on Twitter at Relevant Podcast. If you're doing that, I think uh, they're using the hashtag EQOTW, Editorial Question of the Week. Yeah, I think that's what they're doing. Yeah, that'll be fun. How endearing next week. 1-800-Flowers.com. Yeah, we love moms. That'd be cute. Yep. Uh, many right. thanks to the show's sponsors, uh, Bombas. Remember, you can go over to bombas.com slash relevant, all lowercase, where you can use the offer code relevant to receive 20% off your first purchase of wonderful, wonderful socks. I'm Come doing on. that today. Channing, yeah, just today. get yourself just, you're going to buy one pair, then you're going to freak out, and then you're going to buy cases. I mean, socks are really important. And also thanks to 1-800-Flowers.com. Remember to go over to 1-800-Flowers.com slash relevant for the exclusive offers just for relevant podcast listeners while supplies last. There are actually some really good deals there. And the uh, roses that they sent here a couple weeks ago were really beautiful. Mm -hmm. The multicolored thing. Yeah, they're beautiful. Awesome. Thanks. Uh, many thanks to Jordan Smith for joining us. I'm a big fan. I like Jordan a lot. I follow him on Twitter at oh, Jordan baby. Smith Live, and his his debut album Something Beautiful is out now. Check it out. Also, thanks to Stephen Roach and Jason Folletta for joining us. Remember, you can uh, watch their documentary called For the Love of. It's playing right now on Relevant.tv. And if you want to find out more about the Micah Challenge, you can follow them on Twitter at Micah Challenge. Remember, the, the new issue of Relevant with Ewan McGregor and all that amazing content is out now. If you've got a tablet, you can head over to the iTunes store or the Google Play store and download the interactive edition right away. It's really awesome. There's a ton of multimedia added to it. Um, you can buy the paper edition on newsstands nationwide like Barnes & Noble and others. Or you can subscribe today over at relevantmagazine.com. It's still shipping. Uh, so if you subscribe today, you would get in the next shipment run. So uh, go check out. If your mom's out. cool, she'd like this. There's a Mother's Day gift. I don't know the moms are that cool. Yeah, but what if it's like a... a See, cool I mean, mom. it's not... I mean, maybe if you got like a Ray Romano leather jacket kind of mom. <laughs> so that's a very specific a late stage leather jacket mom because that's yeah. what Ray Romano is he's wasn't you know he's just now getting into that getting into leather that's jackets. my problem with it <laughs> he's just now into <laughs> it's not who he is yeah yeah because you're in life you got to stay in your lane you can't evolve as a person is what you're saying you can't discover new things that you not if you're not if you're a comedian not if you're a Ray Romano sitcom star you, I always want Jerry Seinfeld to have the mullet and, and wear the big like you know, kind of overly large, high waisted ashes jeans, jeans. Yeah. To the, to mm -hmm. the giant jeans. sneakers. Mm -hmm. yeah, yeah, the giant all white sneakers. Yeah. 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 Stay yeah. in your lane, Seinfeld, with yeah. your little fancy cars. <laughs> yeah, with your fancy Quit cars. talking, pay attention to the road. Yeah, you're a hazard out there in that, that weird Duesenberg. <laughs> you're driving down <laughs> to the Hamptons with Alec Baldwin. Good lord. All right, get the magazine. It's out now. Uh, I think you'll like it, and we'd appreciate the support. On that note, we'll wrap it up. I'm Cameron Strang. I'm Eddie Koffoltz. I'm Chandler Strang. I'm Joy Egrich. Reed. 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 Ah. Don't, don't even edit that. Leave it exactly <gasps> as it is. Right. Make her suffer <laughs> for not knowing her name. <laughs> I'm Jesse Carey. We'll see you next week. Thanks for listening to The Relevant Podcast. Connect with us on Twitter, at Relevant Podcast, and get bonus material from this episode and more at the podcast section on relevantmagazine.com. 
And don't forget to check the magazine out. It's available on newsstands and at the iTunes App Store, or you can subscribe online at relevantmagazine.com slash subscribe. Skillet. It was Skillet. They play Skillet. This holiday season, the best deal in wireless can only be found at Mint Mobile. Right now, when you switch to Mint Mobile and buy any three-month plan, you'll get another three months for free. As the first company to sell premium wireless service online only, Mint Mobile lets you order and activate from home with eSIM. While saving tons on phone plans starting at just 15 bucks a month. For a limited time, buy any three-month Mint Mobile plan and get three more months free by going to mintmobile.com slash save. That's mintmobile.com slash save. Cut your wireless bill to 15 bucks a month at mintmobile.com slash save. 